Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Uh, Hello, I think I was told that my ASMR last week was totally non-authentic. It wasn't very good. Um, yes. Um, hold on, hold on. Is somebody the, is reached ASMR... out to me and told me that my bong sounds were terrible. My bong sounds, yeah. <laughs> that's so, because, like, that's not what a bong was... sounds like. No shit, I don't smoke weed. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, neither one. You were blowing into like a, a Seven Eleven bottle or something. <laughs> Yeah, it was my my uh, my, my bubble <laughs> mug, my my uh, my bucket of water that I drink out of. Tonight yeah, exactly. I'm drinking Deathwish. Um, yes, it's are. not Deathwish coffee, but it's it's eight o'clock coffee. And, um, uh, yeah, Jim is drinking Deathwish from he's his drinking Keurig. B- he's drinking BB eight in a BB eight <laughs> cup. I'm using my because I had it. It was full, man. This thing is huge. Look at the size of that. We got a few minutes. Like we 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 run long, so let's let's. I want to talk about Star Wars for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's I've been having a lot Star of Wars. conversations with people about Star Wars. Um, I'm a member of the the spoiler community for the for the um, new movie, and like I've been a member of the Star Wars spoilers for a long time, just because Lucasfilm is so tight lipped. Like you don't get any news about what's coming down the pipe. So like I knew Mandalorian was coming before everybody else did. I knew um, that they were going to do the the uh, Ewan McGregor fronted uh, Obi Wan series before everybody else did. Well, I mean, not everybody else. Obviously, if you remember the spoiler, found out about it. Um, and I knew the plot of both uh, the Force Awakens and um, the right or the, the whatever the last one was that 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 movie I, I pretend doesn't exist. Uh, the Last Jedi. I knew the plot for both of those <laughs> movies before they came out. Yeah. Um, and and not I mean not perfect, but like close enough that it was like okay, you know. I can see where they're going with this. Um, and so there's a lot of hubbub surrounding the new one. Um, and of course the Mandalorian, which if you haven't watched it, like it's, it's okay. I don't know that I, I would pay for Disney plus to watch yeah. the Mandalorian. I no. I got kids. So Disney plus makes sense for my family. Right. But right. for like, I, I don't want the Marvel movies. I don't care about them. Um, I have. Which you can all just yell at me if you want to. I, well, Jim, you have everything. You have a fender, uh, sweater and you have um you know a fender necktie and all that crap too. I, I know i have 
I yeah, I won't talk about what I bought this week. Yeah, I no, won't talk about you what will, I bought this week. Yes, later. I will. <laughs> um, so um I hear that I hear, you know, like Mandalorian and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's so good, it's so good. And I think uh in relation to tie this back to the music series, right? So like the Mandalorian or actually the music is pretty good. Um, the production value in the show is great, but I was promised by Lucasfilm at various events that we were going to get gritty Star Wars, and instead right. we got baby freaking Yoda. Like oh for real, gosh. for did real. Any, did anybody catch the South Park when they? Um, so this week the South Park was about Scott Malcolmson falling in love. But anyway, they were all going to watch the Mandalorian, and of course the cable guys were like, "No, nobody wants to watch Disney Plus. Disney Plus is the devil." Well, anyway, it was hilarious. But in, in the one little bit that you see of the Mandalorian, of the Mandalorian, I'm putting quote, air quotes, folks, um, you see a baby Yoda like holding a little cup and you hear like a lullaby, like, you know, uh-huh. Bob's lullaby in the background. You see like uh-huh. he's sucking on this little cup. Yep. Yep. And that's <laughs> because, like because last that's week, it. That's that, all there is. Last We've week, got a baby Yoda or, or a baby Yoda character. We don't right. know. Last week's episode was like a episode in the bottle type deal where they didn't really relate. I mean, it did relate yeah. to the overall plot, but like it didn't really go anywhere. And so my my whole thing is like, I don't want it to be a monster of the week X Files episode. I I want it to be I, yeah. connected to a larger whole, and I think they're they're failing miserably on that. I hope, yeah, because last week. So I watched last week's, and sorry guys, we'll get right back to guitars. Yes. This right is, after this, this is right important. This, this is important. This is a cultural right event. This word from from the Mandalorian, yeah, from Disney Plus. Which, which, if anybody doesn't know who plays the Mandalorian, the actor, it's, it's the, the guy Viper. Who, it's, <laughs> yes, it's the Viper from, from Pedro Game Pascal. Of is his name? Yes, and he's the guy that got his head squished like a pumpkin uh, by the the mountain on uh, on Game of Thrones. So. Um, hilarity abounds because i'm wondering how he can see or hear anything since his head was squashed uh in that other movie but anyway well that's why he's wearing the helmet yeah this week (laughs) it was like we're we're gonna go into the like five seconds i haven't watched this week's episode yet so no last week last okay yeah last week last week it was just um here's a creature or or, here's a a village and there's bad things are happening and he's just gonna be here and have to help out Right, and, and then oh, just, now he's got to leave. It's what they call the Seven Samurai plotline because it comes from right. you know the Kurosawa movies. I never um, saw those. Well, they're a whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, there's like that that plotline has been used over and over in westerns, and here we are again. I lost you there for a minute. I know. I don't know what happened. Sorry about that. We're back on. Uh, yeah. So the the way I want to relate this back to music is like, just don't be a sheep, like. I, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Jared Dines here, and I think this I think this will play right. in this argument. Like, think for right. yourself. I know everybody's like really into Mandalorian and everything, and I get it. Like, I know, and it, it's a decent show. I'm not gonna say that it's bad, and it's right. got a lot of room for growth. But but I will say this: it's not what they promised it to be. Let's nope. let's stop and realize that now. How this relates to Jared Dines and what's going on in the music community right now? Last right. week, I think it was we talked about the speeding up videos right mm-hmm. um the guitarists that are putting out these like buy my lesson package and then they're right. doing this super complicated very like basically a midi track that they're playing along to and it looks and, and and then syncing it up so it looks real but it's not um look 
So Jared Dines was like leading the charge on this. Right. And he outed, um, actually I want to look up the guy. Ring of Saturn is the 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 guitarist from Rings of Saturn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's, and I knew the band name. I got to look up his name though. So he outed one of the guitarists for for this, um, it's Lucas Mann is his name. So he outed Lucas Mann for doing this this run where like he was not picking on on a an ascending or descending or I think it was a descending suite. A descending suite. And then and he had some other criticisms of the the thing too where he's like, oh dude, this should have just worked or whatever. Yeah, and, and he said there should have been more pick noise and figure yeah, noise. Well no, there was all there was the pick noise was perfect. That was his problem. Yeah. He's like he's obviously not picking. Okay, so this is where it gets crazy, right? So what? the guy puts up a rebuttal video. Yeah. And and he basically said it's a 45 minute rebuttal where oh, he's yeah. like, all right, let's let's just nip this in the bud right now. And he's and he explains that his stage monitor is playing a harmony track right. that he plays along with, along with the other guitar player in the band. Right. Because um, it's a three part harmony. And right. he's like, my stage monitor only plays that. He's like where the recording is coming for or for the, the phone recording is coming from is that stage monitor. And he's right. like, that is not the track that I am playing. And he's, and then he goes to demonstrate. He actually just, here's how you actually play it. And then he does it. And then he does it again. <laughs> he yeah. does it like three or four times in the video, like in various places. And, and, and he makes as shit. I mean, right. and he makes the unprocessed DI available for you to download. Yes. Yeah, so you can actually like, you know, do your own research and, and not be a sheep and go and actually listen to this. And yeah. I haven't, I haven't downloaded the DIs because I didn't need to. I, I've met guitar players that can do stuff like Lucas Mann can do. Right. Uh, I believe that I believe that was his name. Lucas yeah, Lucas Mann. Mann. Um and I, I there have been some times in my life where like I'll hear something on a record and I'll go, there's no way that's real. And then there are other times like like Dragon Force. When I first heard Dragon Force, and there was a lot of controversy there because a lot of people thought Dragon Force was was a fakery thing. Right. And Dragon Force is not. Okay. The guy in Dragon Force is an incredibly gifted, super talented guitar player who can do things that other people cannot. And Lucas Mann is that kind of dude too. And I think he's one of these rare class of people that kind of like gets off on the fact that he can do things and, and set his mind to something and woodshed something and do stuff that other people can't. So um, that's not really what I want to comment on. Like, okay, great. Lucas Mann brings a Saturn. Perfect. Wonderful. Right. Um, what I want to comment on is because we've talked about the YouTube celebrities before. Now we have friends who are YouTube celebrities. Um, right. Right. Like Robert Jackson has been on the show a number of times. Um, I know uh, Ryan, Ryan Burke. And I know, I actually know some other people too, but, but the whole, um, the whole end result of this, this conversation should be that. Uh, understand that there is a thin line between being somebody who is spreading information on YouTube and one who is slinging mud. And right. When you see the mudslinging, that means that they are depending on YouTube for their income. And and that's fine. Uh, but just understand that just because Jared Dine says something is true doesn't mean that it is. And I watched this thing with Rings of Saturn. And I got to thinking like Lucas Mann, his reputation is completely soiled now. Even if he posts a rebuttal, not everybody's going to see that. They'll all see Jared Dines and they'll see Jared Dines kind of backtracking and say, well, it was misstated. That was his that was his rebuttal was like, well, I misstated what I was trying to, you know, no, dude, shut up. Like you were wrong. You need to fucking admit it and you need to step away. I, I was so ticked off when I saw that that somebody actually linked me 
his rebuttal. And I was like, you didn't really say that you, that you were wrong. And that's what pissed me off. I was like, dude, are you serious? The other thing is, if you watch the Rings of Saturn video, he goes through this conversation that happened behind closed doors between him and Jared. And he actually posts the messages with his own comments, you know, his own messages intact so that you can see the, the, the conversation. And he was basically saying, like, how, why did you do that? Like, why didn't you reach out to me first? And that's the thing that pissed me off the most was just like, well, so he's worked with this guy before he's appeared in some of his uh, his shred videos where he does, you know, the, he gets all these people involved. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, he's fake. He's a faker because I saw this one video. Now, I'm going to I'm going to explain some things. And this is this is why I, I would recommend that if you are in the cult of Jared Dines, that you at least evaluate your position on this. Jared. Jared is not a great guitar player. He's good. He's probably better than your average dude, but he's not like Steve I good. He's not, you know, he's not in the level of players that he is criticizing. Uh, the, the, Lucas, man, go listen to some of their stuff. Cause I did actually prep for this episode. And I got to tell you that band, holy crap. I mean, I, and, and I, and I listened to, you know, some of Jared Dine stuff in the, from the past, you know, the things I'd remembered. I'm like, I don't even think he's as good as uh, who's who's the guy from Chicago? Um, the I'm trying to think of his name. Are you uh, talking about the band Chicago? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, guitar player from Chicago. The, the other YouTuber from Chicago, the one that's that's also very very popular. Oh, uh, um, uh, oh crap! His name always escapes me. Yeah, and I know exactly what he looks like. He's got like yeah. long hair, and he uh, he looks kind of like Jared Dines, <laughs> only with long hair. <laughs> um. I forget what his name. It'll it'll come to it's me. It's not David me. Wallman. It's um, although David Wallman's an excellent. Oh, uh, actually, I know how to look him up because he's a Chapman endorser. Uh, hey, bear with me for a moment while I look this dude up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you know it doesn't take me to the Chapman Guitars website. It takes me to Guitar Center's website, which is not what I wanted. Um, yeah, that's another thing that drives me crazy, is that that Google like gets preempted. Like really bad by uh, guitar center. Uh, it's, and called, it's called advertising, man. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Rob Scallon. That's yeah. I do. All right, so I, I mean, well, he and Dines are supposedly real good friends. They are, of course, they are. Uh, that's a mutual friendship, of course. Right, right. Um, why would they not be? I mean, it's only going to benefit the two of them to get along. Oh, yeah. uh, and and you know what? Maybe they're musically kindred or whatever. Um, and they're yeah. all friends with uh, the the bearded guy that we bitched about on the show before too, who is oh. very much the same kind of like, hey, I'm going to be an influencer, and because I say it's true, it must be true kind of shit. Yeah. Like pickups don't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell Wait. you right now. I can take my I can take my Kiesel and I can take one of your your Gibsons over there that you got, Jim, and we can put yep. them up against one another, and they don't sound anything alike. And it isn't the body style; it's the pickups. Nope. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's. One of, if not the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, you're, you, we've talked about that before. Your wood does matter, but it's it's not like <laughs> night and day. Yes, my well, wood I, does matter. It, it, depe- it depends on you know who you're talking to, I guess. I mean, some That's people right. like it bigger and heavier than others. Right. I like big, thick, heavy piece. <laughs> um, so uh, big mahogany neck. That's right. I like to give it something to grab onto, glued, hang on to. Uh, so. 
uh, yeah, remind me when we come, we got to come back to the thing we were talking about just before we started recording. Um, but anyway, cause I found, I found it. Oh yeah. Um, so it's a possibility that, that this was a real big screw up, but anyway, we're going to talk about a screw up folks, um, a possible screw up, which would be in my favor if it is. It is, but, but, but yep. still funny yep. because we don't know how this is going to end yet. Yeah, no, I'll have to get a hold of them and find out. But anyway, so yeah, I just think that when, when you, when you throw mud, we, we, a lot of people think we throw shade. First of all, we're not big enough to throw shade. Yeah, like Even nobody cares. I, yeah, because nobody cares. And I'm not I, getting paid to make an ass out of myself either. Right. We do this for free. Right now. So <laughs> Less than free. It's negative. Yeah, Our income yeah. is negative on this show. Let's be very clear. Yeah, I just got my pod bean uh, uh, bill. <laughs> it came through my email today. But um, so it, it's it's something that that is dear to our hearts, though, because that's the one thing we throw shade on is people throwing shade, which, yeah. which sounds weird, right? But but all I say is I, I'm just the kind of person I cannot stand to see hypocrisy. And this is hypocrisy in action. This is a guy who who makes his living pretty much doing YouTube. He doesn't have to travel that much anymore, although I think he did tour last year or the year before. Um, and, and then to sit down and to go, oh, you know what? I'm going to – sorry, I almost do paper all over the place um to sit down and then to to attack a fellow shredder a fellow youtuber a fellow um extended scale guitar user how many how many yeah, i mean like there's so there? much commonality between those two guys which yeah. is what pisses me off it's like dude this guy's doing what you want to do because jared right. Dine, jared dines so we looked at we looked at a social blade today i was having a conversation with robert jackson and we're going back and forth and we right. looked at a social blade and what it said was he makes between forty and seven hundred ninety thousand dollars a year. Now that's a pretty wide gap. Now you got you got to imagine he's probably right. pulling around a hundred thousand, between seventy five and a hundred thousand, right? And to go around and bad mouthing other musicians, he's damaging his reputation, right. whether he believes it or not. Right, and he doesn't want to become another PewDiePie. Um, not not in the bad way that that people think of beauty. Well, so, I mean, there's other YouTube celebrities. My my wife is into the whole YouTube makeup thing and all that, yeah, I mean, and that whole scene is like rife with people that are just throwing each other under the bus trying to get trying to get to the top of the heap. Yeah, it's, and I, and it, you know, people would be surprised to know that I think that that I what I listen to most of the time is is uh, political and um, uh, on both sides of the fence, folks. I'm yeah. not one side of person. I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to um, uh, to everybody, Jordan Pearson and everybody. And um, I also listen to um, a lot of documentaries, Cold Fusion, um, The Professor of Rock. I listen to a lot of different things all week long. I do nothing but absorb information. Um, Lou Later, uh, you know, so I can listen to stuff about the new tech and cars. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I never hear any of those folks throw shade on any of the other folks, whether it's Wisecrack or Film Theory or Ryan George or anyone. All they ever do is if they've got anything to say, it's to praise each other. Um, they get on each other's podcasts and they talk about how much they love each other and all this other stuff. Well, we know how it turns out when I talk about other podcasts. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that and we, we do tend to um, uh, try to, to bring your uh, attention to the people we think that are that are positive and, I mean, and uh, good influencers. I don't even necessarily have to think they're good. I mean, that's 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 the whole thing. It's like 
There's right. a, it, we, the podcasting community in general is a lot more close knit. I think that when you get to the, you know, it's, it's like that thing they say, it's lonely at the top. And Jared Dines is the top of the guitar heap right now on YouTube, which is yeah. also kind of insane to me because I don't really feel like what he does is that great. I mean, he makes a lot of commentary. He makes more commentary than he does music, at least at least in my estimation. Like his silly right. videos, like, you know, shit that happens at Guitar Center, which we do as a segment on our show now. Um, right. But uh, I, I guess I guess my real disjoint here is not really with what Jared Dines does. Like, I don't care what Jared Dines does. I just don't have to watch right. him. I, I just ignore right, him. Right, right. And, and I would encourage anybody who, who is upset by him just to ignore him. But yeah. I will I will say this. This is my this is my total problem with, with the situation is that there's a lot of people that won't ignore him. And there are a lot of people that because he's in front of them, they think he's great. Right. I mean, well, he has how many million? He has like a million subscribers. I mean, so he's got at least I mean, even if if only two percent. Of his subscribership listens to him. Well, just remember on a, on a regular basis, which is which is very small. It's highly unlikely he's got that little going with him. That means he's got what is it? Um, twenty thousand people. Two percent of a million. Yeah, no, he's yeah. I mean, that could be. Um, most of his views, most of his videos have over a hundred thousand views on them, probably at this point, though. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you look at that, and and you have to realize that that if he throws shade on somebody. 100,000 people. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's reaching 100,000 people. And then those 100,000 people maybe maybe out. 50% but, of them believe him, you know, it, right. and, it just, that, and that's a, a dependency too. Like, I think a lot of people can separate entertainment from intelligence and, yeah. and like, they can look at that and go, this is just him being stupid and just ignore it. Um, right. And that's fine. Like, if you're that person, great. But, you know, good on you. Um, but I think there's also a lot of people, like, especially young people, who watch him and they're like, that's what it means to be a guitar player. No, it doesn't. It's not a freaking competition folks. Yeah. Most of the people that listen to us, I think are adults. They have, they have, they have good, um, they have a high level intelligence. They have good points of view. They've been playing guitar for a while. They, they know, they not only know guitar, they know people. Quality of our listeners are good players. Like they, they've been doing it for a long time and they, right. And they're, and they're quality, right. They're quality people. Uh, even outside of being guitar players where Jared Dines it, has a much larger audience. So it's, it's just um, a, a matter of, of um, fact that he would reach much more young people and much more people who are more easily um, uh, affected by his words because they don't, they haven't formed an opinion and they're looking to someone to help them form an opinion and that's where their opinion opinion can be helped to be formed. Yeah. I Does that does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I think I'm following cuz I we do we have role models, right? right? Like that's the thing. And it doesn't even necessarily mean you have to be intelligent. Like there is something that happens where people get apathetic and mm-hmm. if you expose yourself to something long enough, you become that thing. Right. And I dude, I cannot tell you, and I apologize to anybody on the show that I've insulted or whatever over the years. I cannot tell you how many times I look back at things I've said and said, you know, that's kind of insulting. 
or apology accepted or yeah, not not to you screw you jim um <laughs> no i i i meant every word of it to you yeah. um no but I, but I i think back and like i feel really bad about it but at the same time i think that's part of how we grow as people too is like make make bad decisions and then learn from them um right. the, the point is that you try not to repeat them um and jared has repeated this okay right multiple times and i'm not talking about just the, the speed video like you can go back and you can look at our sorted history with conversations with Jared Dines and, and his people. And it's pretty clear that uh, he's a bit of a loose cannon. And the real reason he has a publicist is because he can't handle himself. Um, it's at least it's readily apparent to me. Um, and, you know, that's that's his own issue. I just encourage that our listeners or anybody outside, you know, if you're just listening to our podcast for the first time, obviously, um, Take a grain of salt before you believe in somebody like Jared Dines or a Stevie T or really any of them. Um, just understand that they have a unique perspective and it's a unique perspective. It does not have to be your perspective. Well, yeah. So um, one of the things about YouTube is that YouTube um, doesn't care when it comes to paying people um, whether the response to a video is positive or negative. In other words, if there are shade throwers and people are going there just to laugh. You can have a half a million thumbs down and you can still be making money. Because you've got a half a million views because you've got a half a million thumbs down. And so to them, a a down vote is just as good as an up vote. Yeah. And and people, if if you've got to realize that that if somebody tells you a video, you know, hey, this video stinks. It, yeah, it's, it's usually a good idea to form your own opinions and stuff, but just realize that when you go to that video, you're up, you may as well be giving that person an upvote in, in YouTube's eyes. They don't care. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get at, is that, you know, I, I wouldn't go to his channel to listen to his stuff because I don't want to hear somebody throwing shade. And so that's, I mean, but I watch documentaries. I want to, I, I want to learn. So I guess that's, that's another thing that I'm stuck in. Cause that's really all I watch is documentaries all week long. Well, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like. Except South Park. <laughs> Jared is a purely entertainment channel. Like I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to yeah. make it really clear. Like I don't really feel like I'm getting information from his channel. At least I haven't in a super long time. Right. Um, and the same thing with Stevie T. Like nobody watches Stevie T to learn how to play guitar. That's that's not really what that's for. It's it's a very specific kind of humor designed for guitar players. Um yeah. and um and it doesn't hit with everybody. Obviously, we know people that do not like Stevie T. I think he's one of the most annoying dudes on earth. Um, I haven't gotten anything from him in my feed, and I'm a subscriber. Maybe in maybe he's wising up and realizing the scattershotting material is not helping him. Um, I know they want him to have these videos that are, you know, like every week to have a million views or whatever to get him paid. And well, I know Dragon Force realistic. asked Dragon Force asked him. At first, I thought it was a joke, but I guess Dragon Force did ask him to tour with them. Yeah, I th- them down. well, I yeah, because he doesn't. So he's not really. He doesn't. He he's has, not outgoing. All right, he has a lot of anxiety issues, um, right. and he just doesn't like to deal with like playing out and doing that kind of stuff. And I totally get it because. I've been there, right? Um, right. I was having an interesting conversation. So last week, um, this is this. I'll, I'll tie this back together. Last week, I I kind of had the realization, been going back and forth on direct recording solutions, and direct live solutions, right? And I had 
one of the best possible tools that I could have had to do that. And I sold it. I had the, um, the ethos overdrive, right? It is a, um, it is a, uh, you know, $715 overdrive pedal with basically anything that you could possibly want on an overdrive pedal. And it was actually an overdrive. It's a preamp. Um, so it has, you know, treble bass, mid controls, presence. It has uh, two channels, clean and drive. Uh, of course, drive control, volume control. And then you have, um, you have, a, I had all the bells and whistles because you can get extra upgrades on it. There's like a TLE switch. There's this uh, modern vintage switch. And then uh, there's like a, a post amp EQ, which is freaking phenomenal on that thing. It's a four band, if I recall. It has a, it had an effects loop. It had an emulated output. Um, you, you get what you pay for in this thing. But um, everybody kept telling me, it's like, why did you spend 750 bucks on it? Or I, why didn't spend that? I spent 600 dollars on it on an overdrive pedal it's like you can buy an overdrive pedal for like 200 bucks it's really good and i i let it go to my head i had that thing long enough um i actually had it alongside my helix and and all that and i had the thing long enough that i was like constantly getting questions about like why would you have that overdrive pedal and i didn't even have it on my board for a long time because it was it's a big pedal um and somebody asked me you know like why don't you put it on your board? So I did put it on a board. And then when I sold that board, like I parted out the board and got rid of the common pedals at guitar center and then sold all the other pedals on reverb, the stuff that was like, you know, I didn't really need it anymore. Um, and because I had the helix, I was like, well, I really don't need the ethos anymore. And I sold it. And it was partially because it was solid state. And I'm like, Oh, people, you know, it, it doesn't sound as good. And then, and it was more or less because I was looking at other people's opinions. I was talking to people and they were like, well, you know, that's why you wouldn't buy a 600 and something dollar overdrive, whatever. And I finally just got to the point where it's like looking at other people for a frame of reference so much and listening to other opinion, other people's opinions so much that I let it cloud my own judgment. Now, I made my money back when I sold it, right? I, I think I got 650 for it. I think it paid like 675, right, um, with shipping. So I'm not, I wasn't out any money, but now I'm sitting here going, man, I wish I would have that pedal. And I'm like looking in there $715. So I, this is why I'm bringing this up because I think it's very easy for people, especially introverted people, which, which a lot of musicians I know are sort of introverts. They're not really that outgoing. Um, they, they can fake it and they're really good at faking it, but they're kind of casually talking to other people to find out what their opinions on things and stuff are to try and figure out if they're crazy basically. Um, and that's, that's something I've gotten from therapy is like the reason why I ask other people for their opinion and it weighs on my, my conscience is because I don't, I don't trust myself. I'm so introverted that I think I'm crazy. And then I look at other people for their opinion and I go, Oh, well clearly they're not nuts, you know, <laughs> or clearly their, their opinion is totally valid. Um, and that's simply not been the case. So here I am, um, you know, now kicking myself and I think this is I think this is a similar experience here, where is if you tell yourself to lie too many times, you begin to believe the lie. And if you let other people tell you to lie too many times, it's a lot easier to believe that lie. Um, and so when we watch people like Jared Dines, Stevie T, the guy from Rift Beards and Gear, you know, Rift Beards and Gear and all this stuff, like I I can't stress this enough. Those are not regular musician folks. 
you want to meet your regular musicians and people that are getting paid to do this or like people that are, that are artistically successful doing it. You go and you talk to people in your local community who are either touring musicians because they're there. I guarantee you, I don't care where you live. There's a touring musician somewhere. Or you talk to people at open mics and stuff and find out who's got bands and who's playing what. And you will very yeah. quickly learn the, what real musician folks are like. Absolutely. And, and it's often very strikingly different than the guy that has, you know, 10, 10 rectifiers behind him and, and 5150s and all this stuff because he's got a home studio. That's not a home studio. Okay. That's a professional studio in your house. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, it, that's, that's basically what I point out. It's like, right. Temper your hopes and experiences. Realize right. that most people don't live like, the, like those people because you'll end up right. in trouble if you don't realize that. Right. You're, if you're looking for somebody who's real, look for Pete Thorne, look for Tim Pierce, look for well, those guys, Rick Beato. Those guys are it was so like they're like stratospheric level players. And yes. what I'm saying is like Jared Dines and all those other guys want to pretend like they're that. Right. So and they're not. If you watch those guys, <laughs> just keep in mind, like they're at a different level than the people right. you're going to meet in your local community. But there's a whole like. All right. So even I would I would even say something like Rhett Shull, who I consider like a B-list yep. musician. Um, yep. And it, along with, you know, Tim Pierce. And by the way, that that is not a negative. No, no, no. I'm saying Rhett just show people. We're not saying that that because he's B-list. That just means that he isn't he isn't the first call. When, person. when, she, when Cher's saying. like, I'm going on tour, she's not going to call Rhett Scholl and be like, let's go. You know, she's right. she's going to call one of the other, you know, major session players right now. But it's a very good possibility that when shares opening act goes yeah, with her. Yeah, it could be Rhett They Shull. may call Rhett Shaw, exactly. And that doesn't mean that he won't someday uh, achieve that status either. Exactly. But my point is that, like, um, they're the sidemen, right? Like, they're the people that, and, and they're usually much better players than the non-sidemen. Um, right. They're the people that somebody calls up and hires if they want to do a short, like, 16, 20, to 20-day show, you know, show tour. Um, you get those guys. Right. And it's and and that's not saying that they're like any less of a player. It's just saying that that's like the the community that they that they operate in, right? Um, and the way they move up is by networking and finally landing a gig with somebody else. Um, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of people think that like everything's everything uh, is audition based, right? You go and you do these these auditions, and then that's how you get the gig. That's not like a lot of this is just who you know. They don't audition people for B listers. It's who you know. And they're like, oh, yeah, you need a guitar player. I know this dude that, you know, he played with this other band, you know, and he's like, he's perfect for what you need. Like, we'll just hire him. No big deal. Because a lot of times they're putting a tour together, to, you know, like a week before it happens or two weeks before it happens. And uh, especially with some of the some of the acts that Rhett Scholl has toured with in the past. Um, but the reason why I say that is like when you look at those people, you have to understand that there's like a whole there's five tiers of, you know, that level of musician. And and if you're thinking that everybody lives like a Rhett Shoal, you're wrong, right? Like there's a lot of musicians that don't achieve that status. They might make thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Rhett might make. I, Rhett will never tell you, and you'll never know. But Rhett might only be making fifty or seventy-five thousand dollars a year. But because his living is guitar, he will spend twenty-five of that on gear to make sure that he is he's going to have the rest of that fifty thousand dollars to take care of himself. Um, and that's after tax, of course. I mean, obviously, um, taxes are going to eat all your money, um, especially if you let them. Right. But, right. But that's my point is just, you know, temper your expectations and understand. Just take a step back and realize, like, just because you're on YouTube 
or you're watching somebody on YouTube doesn't necessarily mean they're representative of everyone. And there's a much larger community outside of YouTube. Um, it's not the norm. And those people are not the norm. They aren't. <laughs> no. And I think it's something important to realize that uh, when you are um, – I, I, there, there is a real uh, thing in our culture that if someone is on television or now YouTube, if they're seen by enough people and they've blown up enough, that they absolutely have to be there's – a, there's, a, there's an instant – Thing. And it's a psychological uh, uh, phenomenon where people believe that by seeing people who are, you know, in front of big crowds, they have to be um, great people and they have to be because they there's something be greater than they were great, great meaning they're greater than you are. Not necessarily that like they're good people, but somehow they have more money and they're happier and they're and they feel like they're successful and they're probably not crazy. And if you're like Jim and I and you've met some of these folks, you know, that's absolutely not true. <laughs> exactly. Um, most of them are not rich. That That's the one that that, that kills me. When you see yep. Michelangelo Badio pull up in a minivan um, that's like yep. 10 years old, you know he's not rich, okay? Um, despite his pedigree and his skill level and the fact that he can get a date, meaning, you know, like a show date whenever he wants. <laughs> um, yeah, let's be let's be specific about the date. What you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about his romantic life. I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate. Yeah. But I'm just saying. What... But I'm just saying. Like, he calls up his agent. He says, "I want to do a tour." Agent says, "We could book eight shows in you know August. Like they can just make it happen. Like snap right. their fingers." Um, but is he rich? He lives in Evanston. I mean, or up in that area. So. He's got money, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's like driving Ferraris or anything right. like that. Um, well, even yeah, even Steve Lukather talks about the fact that he's not rich. I mean, he was lucky enough to buy his house early. Yeah, in his career. And well, Lukather's one of those weird situations, though, because like he has writing credits for things like um, uh, parts yeah. on uh, Thriller and stuff, and it's like, dude, yeah. your royalty checks put your kids through college. Yeah, well, he said that. I'm not rich, he, you know, like he whoa. told his yeah, but he's told his kids. He's like he's he told his son. He said the way you make money that that continues. Yeah. is what he called mailbox money. Yeah. And that's that's where the checks roll in. Right. He's like, "Ooh, getting a little low. Oh, thank goodness. Thriller sold, you know, some more or you know, whatever." And he gets he gets little writing credits. He's he's on all these little things, Ray Parker Jr. songs and these Quincy Jones and when he gets the writing credits, that's Steve, where the money comes in. That's where the money continues. Or, or where he has a and backup every time, vocal credit, like he gets paid by yep. both the musicians' union and the singer. Like, was it that? It's not the yep. musicians; it's like the singers' union or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's another union, but um, he's also got um, uh, credits for like um, uh, every time somebody uses Africa, like oh, yep, Family Guy used Africa. Well, Family Guy just played on TBS. Stranger Things the, just used Africa. Stranger Things, and then somebody streams Netflix. Yep, enough streams of Netflix happen, and that and, money just keeps rolling in. Ching. There so I said, like he's not rich, but he has pro. So <clears throat> he has a, pro a kind of property that's worth money that you can't attach a value to, because right. you don't know if that song's going to continue to be popular in ten years. Um, and we were talking about that the other night, actually, at open mic. Yep. Had some some cats come through, and they were playing some songs that, um, we because uh, we're not like super familiar with. But we were listening and we were like, 
you know, that's a great song. And then they come off stage and they tell you, well, that was a top, you know, top 40 hit back in, you know, 1971. And you're like, that was a top 40 hit. Like nobody even knows that song now, you know? Okay. So I, I I think I talked about this. I said, I was going to talk about this on the further show and you, you kind of brought it up. Well, so there was a, there was a song. Can, can I can I just finish this thought about Jared Dines because I want to I want to oh yeah I want to because I want to I want to bury yeah I want to put a pin in it and, and and button it up and then shove it in the you know the garbage can um, you got it so shove it in something all of this stuff like we're talking about Steve Luca there and the money and all that this is yeah. this is why I think he's making a bad decision and right. you take this to heart you know and take this and apply it to your life in any way but uh, I think he's making a bad decision because at the end of the day. He's damaging his reputation. And in 10 years, no one's going to care who's on top of YouTube right now. And they're right. not going to be the same people on top of YouTube in 10 years. Right. So it's, I, we were joking around and I said, I said, this is going to be like the, uh, the child stars, you know, like 20 yep. years from now when everybody's going to be talking about like, Hey, you remember when, you know, so-and-so got like high on drugs and like killed somebody with a car. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be silliness. And in his situation, he's damaging his reputation to a point where there are people that won't employ him. Like a- yeah. after after he outs people for using tracks that are basically like backing tracks and makes out like it's a real track. Um, yeah. uh, there are going to be people that are like, no, nah, you're not going to be able to tour with us. At some point, the YouTube movies, the YouTube money is going to stop rolling in or it's going to slow down significantly. And then it's going to yeah. be a real issue for him because he's not going to be able to go like pedal his musicianship. He's as far as I know, he doesn't really have. I mean, I I don't think I would see him on the screen as an actor, and I don't really think that he's capable of writing that kind of material for either television or screen. So he's got nothing at that point. He's going to be washing yep. cars or something. I mean, that's that's where it's going to be. Yeah, well, um, he'll be like Leif Garrett, right? And uh, you know, those people that are on uh, the only thing they can get is a um, part time gig on. Uh, whose line is it anyway or um uh world's dumbest criminals or something i mean he's gonna be a comment he's gonna <laughs> be the commentary guy for live pd yeah i'm just saying <laughs> that that you know he'll have to go through because his acting skills is right anyway put a pin in it throw it done boom done okay so you were talking about the 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 mailbox money so I joined a country band. I, I don't want to name the band, but people who know me personally know the band I was in. Um, they actually got a record deal that they turned down because, believe it or not, a record deal isn't always it's No, you have to, to sit back and figure out if it's the right deal. And everybody had really good jobs. They were like, yeah, no, no, thank you, but we do appreciate it. They did record the album, but they didn't do a record deal. and They did it all on their own. And they sold every copy of the damn thing. That was, that was. So anyway... Um, and I'm lucky enough to at least have one. Um, so, um, when I came in, um, I replaced a guy who had written a song in the sixties that was a big hit uh-huh. and it was all over the place. You'd hear it in, in, on the radio. You'd heard it in commercials. He had mailbox money and that's how he, that's how he rolled. Right. The song was called, um, Red rubber ball. Okay, I know the song. And this, and and the melody goes kind of like, like a red rubber ball. Mm-hmm. And and so you did this, you know, this sixties hipster thing. And it was their one hit. And it's just <laughs> funny because I replaced him in a band. Yeah, <laughs> it's like 
my claim to fame. I replaced a famous guy and became less famous. But it's just funny that that you know, and then he 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 sadly passed away a little bit later. Oh, but it's a nice guy, sweet guy. But um, you know, it's just funny that that they told me, yeah, you know, that dude wrote wrote a song in the '60s. I said, what what song was that? And they told me, I go, oh, I know that song. I actually had the forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, so it was just it was funny to hear that. Are you kidding? That was the guy yeah. that's on that. Oh yeah, he's one of the two voices, and he was playing. Uh, he played guitar or bass on that on that track. Yeah. So again, that's that that's that mailbox money. So you can make fun of Brown Eyed Girl all you want. Nope. But whoever wrote that song, oh, the guitar player wrote it. Yeah, the guy that went. Yeah. He just walked away with an insane paycheck for the rest of his career. I forget what his name is offhand, but yeah, he he. He wrote several. I think he wrote Moondance or something too. Yeah, I think so. So, there, so it, it's just funny because Jeff Kinn was talking about that. Jeff Kinn, um, who uh, had that song that everybody doesn't know the actual name of, but it, you know, it goes. Yeah, I don't know. They don't write them like that anymore. You know, nobody knows the hook. Is just him going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, it's the word. He, that's he the was talking verse. about that, right? He goes, he goes, yep. But you know what? That song put my kids and my grandchildren through college. Yep. It bought me a house, bought me my car, and put my kid, my kids and grandkids through college. So again, I don't think when it, when it comes to now, you got to wonder because the YouTubers, it's 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 a now, it's it's a shark in the water, blood or sharks with blood in the water infested get the money now and then at some point what happens 10 is somebody going to come back 10 years from now and go that was the funniest youtube video i gotta watch it again do you really think that, that that's going to that nostalgia is not going to drive the community to be like this rich thing that's that's no i mean nostalgia works in entertainment industries because they can capitalize on it like youtube's not going to suddenly come up with like the time machine you know where you could you click through and then you're back in 1999 or well they they weren't even around uh like, like 2015 you know this is YouTube in 2015 right. and it's all the videos from 2015 that that I mean I wouldn't be surprised they do it I just don't think it's going to be a huge smashing success the way that it is when they re-release a movie or especially a cultural phenomenon like Star Wars does anybody remember when the special editions were released in theaters again? I can remember waiting in line to see a re-released movie. Make yep. that very, very clear. A re-released movie. Um, I don't think you're going to have that kind of a phenomenon with YouTube. I think a lot of the stuff that, that gets popular on there is like a flash in the pan. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm, I, believe me, everybody who listens to this show knows that I'm wrong, and I am wrong frequently. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just wondering because, okay, so one thing that that you have to have when it comes to uh, when it comes to the, um, uh, what's the word I want? Um, the, the, that, that feeling of nostalgia is there, there's only certain things that could quote unquote, take you back. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they're very specific. Your brain works in a very specific way. Have you ever noticed when you taste or smell a certain food or smell, it takes you back to a point which is why we have what we call comfort foods, right? So um, the reason most people, not everybody, 
most people like to have ice cream now and again is because ice cream takes them back to when mom and dad said when you were good, you could have ice cream. There's a, there's a whole psychological yeah. uh, uh, thing about this. All right. The other thing that can take you back instantly is a hook of a song. A song. Okay. Which is why people like ASMR. I'm going to get into that, although I can't stand that stuff myself. I think it's irritating. But that's because it, that, that takes me to a place where I can't stand it because I really well, like silence. You're describing <laughs> the actual meaning of the word nostalgia. Which right. is. And it is. That that that's that right that that that's that thing that takes you back right right now there's the '90s kids only '90s kids would understand my my daughter yeah. thinks she's a '90s kid she was born in '94 folks she was not a '90s kid she was a '90s baby okay she, I don't know <laughs> she's I, mean, I, I remember stuff from the '80s too and I was born in '84 so I mean yeah. I I get yeah, it she's the same but, but but I get what you're saying but what I'm saying is right so so that thing takes you back I don't think there's a thing with YouTube. You see what no, I mean? I, mean you, you, I find myself could, watching videos that are like 10 years old and being like, huh, <laughs> like, whatever, <yeah. laughs> you know. Why? Yeah, yeah. And it's like. I, oh, I just stumbled across it? them because like I'm looking for an esoteric piece of gear or something, you know, that was around right. 10 years ago. And I'm like, huh, or not that. Or, or you look at that, you know, have you ever like gone back and then said, wow, that video wasn't that funny, you know, in, in retrospect. Sure, so sure. My, my point is, yeah. And my point is. What exactly can bring you back at this point? It's, it's not going to be – I can actually see the video games, the video game community, and the YouTube community that follows video games, the um, – uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Twitch community. Yeah. I can actually see that being a nostalgia because people – I can tell you right now, I'm excited as heck that World, War, World of Warcraft – Yeah, World of Warcraft, classic. Sorry, Warcraft 3 oh. is coming back out. All they're doing is putting new skin on the old crap. Yeah. Right? They they literally said, yep, we're putting some new skin on the old crap. Um, it's the exact same game with some improvements to its multiplayer layer. Right. But you can still click the still click the pawns and they and they go, Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. What do you want? What do you want? Stop clicking yeah. me. Stop yeah, clicking yeah, exactly. Me. You know, that kind of thing. And they're probably gonna so, use the same sounds. They're just gonna make it look different. And that's that's been a common yeah. thing in in the video game community for a super long time. And I think it has to do with the fact that like people who age out of video games and I know that I know people are like, oh, you don't you never age out of the game. Yeah, you do, because at some point yeah. you get to, you you start looking back at like the games from your youth and you're like, man, I really want to play that again. And that's and that's what this appeals to. Right. It's the same that's thing. Right. And that's and, and video games, a whole different animal than like music gear review YouTube. Right. And, and the reason why I say, right. the reason why I say that is because, look. We watch those reviews so that we can get the gratification from buying the piece of gear, right? Right. And that's really the nostalgia is having the piece of but gear. That, right. That nostalgia is getting that guitar or that uh, pedal or that amp. For me, believe it or not, the nostalgia is, was going back to the Marshall I had two years ago, right? So, I mean, so the and the guitar is hanging behind me. Um, the the um, fact is that that's the nostalgia. I could care less about the Andertons video I saw that told me that this was still a good. This was a good guitar. I I used it as frame of reference. It was a tool. Was That's a something we do need to talk about, though. Is that that piece of Andertons or that the Boss Tech that they had on the Andertons video? Well, I want to talk yeah. about that, but after yes. we talk about the next thing, because I'm about to do nostalgia. 
So I'm, I'm yeah. as you can see, I'm, I'm segueing. I'm watching. Is that I, a no, word? Segue. Segueing. Segu- you're, you're making a segue. <laughs> I'm making a segue. Yeah, segue is a I noun and a verb. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. What do they call it? Um, what I was writing my own word, not diving. My, it, my um, English is showing. Yeah, my my English is not showing. <laughs> English is English is at least my first, second, yeah. third, and fourth language, but I'm not very good. Yeah. At it. Okay, so um, I, I'm creating my own word here. I'm making a segue. So the the segue that I'm making though is um, so I I put a different Les Paul away at Guitar Center. I'm picking it up. So here's what's here's what's funny or not funny. Not We're sure. not. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, we don't know yet. So it came into the store, brand new in the box from Gibson. Did you, Gibson did you happen to it. unbox it? I was the second person that saw it come, or third okay. person. So it it comes out. And going to hang it on the wall, I said, "Oh my God, that's beautiful! What is that?" He said, "Well, it's supposed to be a what did I tell you, Honey Burst, uh, yeah, Honey Burst '50s standard." Um, and I said, uh, "If that's Honey Burst, I'm, I'm, I'm a monkey's uncle." Well, I've I've found the color that it is. I think because David made a good point. I think they boo booed on a guitar, and then either took the custom shop label off of it or this it, it, this didn't this got somebody didn't shop. look at it and it got somebody stuck boo-boo. in the box is what happened yep because i'll i'll tell you i just looked at while um, we've been digging we were talking, we've been digging around actually before the episode we spent about 15 minutes uh looking at various pictures you. and we could not find a model i found Yep, I found the exact color. So this is what's funny. So it's a 50 standard, um, at least as far as Gibson says it is, which it might not be. That's why I'm thinking. I wonder if it's just the wrong model number I'm gonna applied have to, to the serial. I'm going to have to – yeah, I'm going to have to pull it open. I'm going to have to get a hold of Gibson. I may actually have to go to Nashville. Seriously. Yeah. Because um, – so, Well, they should be able to tell you from well, the serial number what it actually is. Well, what, it, what they think it is. Yeah. But anyway, so here's here's the thing. So if you look, um, David, if you look at this picture uh, of this one, so it is a lemon burst. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, but it, if you look at the yeah, so it's a lemon burst because if you look at the lemon burst, there's really not much burst. I didn't to a get a burst. link from you, by the way. I did send it to you. Either you did or some. Oh, I didn't hit. I, I didn't hit oh, return. Okay. It didn't take the return. Yeah. There okay. We, so it's definitely a 59. Um, it, it's the color of a 59 reissue. Lemon yeah, Burst, it's a le- which, by the way, is not a color they have. No, they're not doing that color any, right now. No, which, which the current this standards. might even be a leftover color because I no, I don't even think they were doing them in 2018. Um, nope. The lemon burst. So anybody who's not familiar, lemon burst is like basically it's the lightest burst that that, that I've ever seen that they do. Um, except for when they don't, when they just stain the top and and don't do a burst at all. Right. But it's, I mean, it's a beautiful looking guitar. Uh, I hope you get to keep it because I have a feeling what Gibson's going to want to do is offer you five grand for it so they can make it disappear. Because when they yeah. have a mistake like that that gets out in the wild, they do not want anybody, especially somebody who runs a podcast, to be talking about it <laughs> like we are right now. Um, which that guitar may actually quietly disappear from your guitar center if the right people get tipped off. Um, I hope it doesn't happen that way. Um, yeah, better. So, it, the, it, 
I, I here's here was my commentary on this. So like I I, I did a quick because Jim just told me about it right before the show, and I did a quick once over and I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I don't have a problem with it, right? Like this is cool. Uh, this is right. obviously like it's it's one of two things, right? It's a it's a factory mistake, or yep. it's some sort of guitar center exclusive that didn't come to fruition. Um, yeah. So they just that's what I sell thinking. the guitars to them anyway, you know, or yep. three, which is it is a Nam guitar that they painted yeah. up for Nam. They took it to Nam and then they got back and they didn't want to store it anymore and they resold it. And that happens. Yep. I I've seen that from yep. other usually it doesn't happen from the big guys, but I've seen that from like Schecter and people like that, where you'll see like somebody's got a Nam guitar, you know. Um. So I don't know. This is weird. It's a weird situation. It's a it's a new guitar they unboxed with a finish that is not a factory stock finish in twenty in yeah. in twenty nineteen. Now, granted, no nope. in, in the nineteen sixties this was all day long, you know. Um, right, right. You get custom. I I remember seeing a green, uh, a green like sixty seven or something like right when they came back out, and I was like, they didn't yep. offer green, and somebody yeah, no, somebody no. had them factory painted yep. green, and yep. uh, they they did it. You know, they don't they don't do that kind of stuff now, um, yep. and to see a production girl like that is kind of weird. Now, the strange thing about this situation is not only is it a production guitar like that, but you could see something like that happening in like Wildwood, but I couldn't see right. that happening at Guitar Center. That's yeah, that's why I wonder if it was actually supposed to be earmarked for someone else. That's like it might have been earmarked for someone like Wildwood or, guitar, or Chicago Music Exchange. CME, of, right? They do a lot of exclusives like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. To- uh, the only thing I can say is. It's a one-off right now, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, and as far as I can tell, it's it a one-off. Like it. I'm going to get it paid for, and then I may or may not drive it. To so Nashville. listeners, if you know anything about a Gibson Les Paul 50s, or Gibson Les Paul Standard 50s in Lemon Burst, yeah. Lemon. write to Jim. Tell him about it, because uh, I couldn't find any information on this thing. This is a yeah, we can't find guitar. Um, I Actually, I wanted to comment. Uh, somebody was talking about VOS 335s in the group and having the JB. Yeah. I think it was Tom Bongers. Tom Bongers. Um, nice. That was a really cool story because I was like, when I saw it, I was like, kind of got because there was somebody who told him it was like, stood for Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sounds like bullshit to me, um, especially when yeah. the guitar's age was really before Joe Bonamassa had all the clout he does with Gibson now. Um, but he said, I guess he'd seen it on multiple guitars. My initial thought was this is a quality control. Somebody signatured, you know, uh, you're not supposed to quality control signature, the tag on, on a custom shop Gibson. So maybe somebody, it was like, you know, the whole like world war two, like somebody Norman was here or whatever, the, the little thing they used to draw. Um, it's like, you know, this person's doing that on these VOS guitars when they were going out. Um, it could be the initials. It's like so. I don't know how Gibson does their their custom shop if they have like master builders. Um, but it it could be something like that too, where it's like, okay, this was built just by this one dude, and so he put his initials on the tag so everybody would know. Um, but that's like you see that kind of curious stuff in a lot of different instruments. I had a uh, PV uh, Wolfgang, and when I opened it. The, the control plate, and it was a PV Wolfgang special of all things, which is kind of weird. Um, I opened the, the control plate, and inside 
there are the initials EVH. And I'm going, what the hell is this about? Uh, I believe it's EVH. I have a picture of it somewhere. Anyway, I reached out to a guy I know who works for PV. And he says they actually earmarked guitars for Eddie to come through and grab for when he went on tour. And, of course, now you know that the whole PV tour situation, like he didn't really tour a whole lot with PV guitars because that was like during Van Halen's kind of like weird downtime period. Um, and I think part of it was because he was actually trying to screw PV. Uh, him and Hartley PV got into horrible confrontations. And I think it was more or less, I'm not going to tour because I don't want to show off your stuff. And because uh, you got to remember, he didn't just have like a guitar endorsement deal. Like he had the whole shebang with uh, PV. So um, anyway, the as the story goes, he told me that he thinks that this guitar might have been earmarked, but it likely wasn't ever owned or like given to him or anything like that. Um, and that he, I actually asked and he went and talked to the guys in the production that were actually still there from the time when Eddie had his deal. And they said that uh, apparently he did have some of the specials with the stop tail piece and all that. Like he had a couple of them. So I don't know what he was using them for, um, but, but he did, you know, pick up some. So it may have been that this is one of those kind of guitars. Cool story. Doesn't increase the value of the guitar. Nobody will ever believe you because there's no certificate of authenticity for it. But, uh, you know, if you run into that kind of stuff, it's worth asking the question. Um, as far as the, the JB thing, like I thought when I saw it, I thought it meant Joe Bonamassa burst because I didn't think to check the serial on the guitar. Um, I think the serial is actually blacked out in the pictures um, because that would have been my initial thing was like, oh, well, let's check the serial um, and, you know, date it. And then suddenly we realized it's like a 2003 or something like, OK, you know, it's clearly not a a uh, that particular, you know, thing. So anyway, um, yeah, Tales from Guitar Center. Is that your tale from Guitar Center this week that you found a. Uh, hey, factory, what what the hell is this? <laughs> You're on mute, Jim. You got to stop using that thing. I know. It may be, um, when you mentioned it might be a wild, Wildwood, I went to Wildwood's site. Guess what? They've got a, they've got a one. Maybe they got it accidentally what, got a Wildwood. Guess what color it is? Lemon burst. Oh, they're not calling it a lemon burst. They're calling it a, a trans amber. Yeah. But yeah. And it's a whole lot more money. <laughs> Let's just say I paid about half. Yeah. They want 5,000. Yeah. Anything with Wildwood's <laughs> name on it. Like even if it's not a custom shop is like, is like a thousand dollars more. And it's yep. for what? Yep. It's, it's thousand for the pedigree. For, for it's really for the top. pedigree. Yeah. Because even though they're like, oh, it's a thinner neck or whatever. It's like, you'd have to be able to tell the difference. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I'm not saying oh, that there are people that are d not discerning out there, but is that worth a thousand bucks? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, we talked about this before. They put out the, the traditional, they're calling it a traditional five, which is, um, it's a V, but it's a five um, uh, version of the uh, um, Les Paul that in the satin finish, it's, super cheap but in the um finish for uh, that that's got gloss it's 2700 bucks that's a traditional they call it a traditional v pro 
And uh, I just find it funny. Yeah, I mean, it's probably what it is. Hey, they probably just threw I mean, it in the wrong box and they're like, oh, I just mailed that one to Guitar Center, you know. Yeah, but, that it might have been a boo-boo. Um, but hey, it's my yeah, boo-boo yeah, now. Hey. So I'll have to I'll have to get it. Uh when I get it, I'll I'll um uh when I get it home, I'll put uh I'll put my uh my phone call into Gibson and talk to them personally. Um anyway, so um uh, enough of that. They I find that interesting. We have some, we have some really cool colors. Uh, my, no, my Gibson or my uh, my Guitar Center story this week is one of hilarity. We we walk out, you know, at night we walk out in a group because it's dark, right? So we come out in a group and we kind of go to our cars or together so that nobody can get hurt or anything like that. And um, it's funny because. We heard some shuffle scuffling in a, in the dumpster, and you saw like, the guitologist. The guitologist, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was a guitologist, but yeah, somebody was dumpster. Wild guitologist sighting. <laughs> a wild <laughs> guitologist has appeared, and and we laughed so hard because, it, so, all right. There's all these stories about you know, oh, guitars are throws away perfectly good gear. No. Let me tell you something. I've seen I've seen some of the stuff throw away. It's, it's not, not perfectly good. good. It's <laughs> Not perfectly really damaged. <laughs> again, it comes to it, it comes to that that uh, thing we were talking about earlier with the, with the YouTube quote unquote celebrities who get online and hey, they've got a they've got a group of people that listen, and most people w- will watch or listen to what they want to hear. I mean, just look at most Facebook reposts, sure. right, or retweets. There are things that hey, Echo look at this finger. this politician. This politician I hate did something stupid. You know, they farted in public or something. And then, the, but this politician I love did this awesome thing. And, and then this, another person puts the same story out with a different spin. So as we know, these, these are things that happen, right? So people do tend to watch these things. Um, and hate is hate, right? So anyway, um, it's just funny because... Uh, you know, I saw all these videos where the guy, oh, yeah, look at all this stuff I pulled out of dumpsters. This just needs this. This just, he doesn't know. He didn't fix it. It's just, he knows it's broken. He's making an assumption it might be something that's broke, but he doesn't know. I had a customer come in and, and oh, man, this, this pedal doesn't work. It's got this going on. It's got that going on. So I, I look at the back of the pedal and I go, oh, I remember. So it, it's momentary. If I push the switch, it's momentary. Yeah. So I go, I look at the back of the pedal and it says to put it in momentary mode, do this. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, the same thing probably takes it out of momentary. So I do the thing. I do it again. Oh, there it goes. It works. And he goes, oh man, you fixed it. <laughs> no, I just know how to no, use it. No, I didn't it. fix it. I didn't fix it. I read the directions. <laughs> it's right on the freaking bottom of the pedal. You know, it's just like that old saying, you couldn't pour piss out of the bottom of a shoe if the directions were written on the bottom it was exactly what i was thinking because the directions were written on the bottom of the shoe so um i, I just i had to laugh i, I always thought i was gonna uh, pee my pants so um you're looking at chicago music exchange yep and uh what are you seeing oh, they've also Definitely. got some of the colors that that are not supposed to you know, that are not in the wild, supposedly, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, this will be an interesting conversation when it goes down. 
Yeah, I could see that. Um, No. So, all right. So we talked about the uh, Jared Dines controversy. We talked about your guitar center weirdness. We talked about, there was something else. We talked about me being Gandalf. Actually, I don't think we talked about me. We haven't talked about you being Gandalf Um, yet. So uh, I, during this episode, I'm getting text messages from my mother who has my daughter's lunch for tomorrow because my wife is out of town and she knows exactly what's supposed to go in it and everything. Um, my wife, my, my wife and I have been dropping my daughter at my, my mom's before school for a super long time. And so she's been making her lunch. Right. Um, so apparently I'm too inept to do it myself. Uh, so she she says she's gonna bring it over, right? And like I'm like, okay, well I'm podcasting, so just text me, and then we'll pause the show and I'll go right. there and do it. So in the minute in the middle of this, I get ambushed by an upstairs neighbor. I'm getting I've given a free bottle of wine. <laughs> um, and on top of that, she says he's coming. He's coming to get you know. He's coming over to bring lunch, and then he sends the the time, and it's like I'm waiting in the hall, and it takes an additional ten minutes yeah. because that's not when he left. <laughs> That's when he got off the couch and started to get his stuff on to leave, right? Um, and it was, you know, he's leaving now. No, he's leaving in five minutes. When he walks out the door, then you can text me. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting kind of frustrated because I'm like, well, Jim's waiting for me or whatever. And I'm like, and that's why I texted Jim and I said, I am Gandalf. Yeah. I arrive precisely when yeah. I need to. They <laughs> are always five minutes earlier, exactly. five minutes late. <laughs> No, I am Gandalf. So, That's right. I wondered where that came from. Yeah, I remember that now. Yes, I am Gandalf. I, <laughs> I arrive precisely when I mean to. Um, so anyway, uh, that goes with being a musician. We're always on time, right? But not just really. Ask, uh, I mean, we were just talking about musicians' time in the <laughs> at the open mic the other night, and it was like, oh, I'm five minutes late. I actually, it was, we ended open mic forty five minutes. Late. Wow. Did I tell you about the open mic from hell? No. Oh, we got to talk about. Uh, <laughs> this is a, this is a good this is a good segue, right? Yep. So, um, I w- I go to this one open mic pretty regularly, um, and on Black Wednesday, the open mic they so there's another band playing the next night, uh, Rob Post band, which is a local yep. band, right? Um. And there are things on the sign. I come in and there's a full band set up on the stage to the point where it's like really hard to get on the stage. Um, They have like their own monitors, their own mains, which were worse than the mains that were actually provided by the the club. Um, They had the JBL unpowered mains, whereas uh, the club actually provides the uh, QSCs. And it was like the only the only difference was like their JBLs were 15s. And the QSCs had like they have um uh subs and they're and they're like twelves, I think. So it's like it's a toss up. You should just use the QSCs. But anyway, um I, I think the QSCs would have sounded better. Um, but we we get there and like there's this whole thing set up, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I look at my phone because I'm like, did I come in the wrong day? And and uh stop and kind of like start putting my stuff down and I turn around there's two other guys over there with with guitars and I figured they're with the band right so I'm like what's going on are you guys having open mic night and I'm thinking like maybe the regular host got fired or you know something like that and I'm like what the hell so um I talked to them for a minute and they're like well no we're having open mic tonight and uh 
I realized I recognized one of the guys. He'd been there one time before. And then uh, a few moments later, the you know, I texted the host. He's like, oh, yes, I'm running a little late. And I told him what's going on. And he's like, wait, like a whole band set up? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. But they said we're still having open mic. So uh, he comes in, and of course, they, they talks to the manager. And the, the manager's like, don't, you know, don't touch their gear. And we're sitting there thinking like, what local? And this is a bar. Right. This is a club. It's a bar. Right. And we're sitting there going, what local group comes in the day before a gig and sets up all their gear, sound checks, and then leaves it overnight? Not a very I smart I would one. never, ever do that. Ooh. I'm sorry, but they had good gear too. Like there was like a PRS there and there was a, um, there was a Mark V 35 and really expensive cabs everywhere. And I'm going, I'm going, you guys are dumb. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's in your rider that the club has to look after it and you're insured. Uh, I'm pretty sure your insurance would not be very happy to find out that your rider has you leaving your gear unattended. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. So it was a whole thing. And, and like the club owner doesn't necessarily know what all gear they have. So, something could just walk off, you right. know, and nobody would know. Uh, especially if you got an open mic going on the night before <laughs> and there's a bunch of musicians there, right. like somebody could walk out of the case and nobody would even notice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, that was only half of the crap that happened that night. All right. So we all start playing and, uh, about 10 minutes into the, the open mic that the host is up there and he's doing his thing. Um, about 10 minutes into like him hosting the power goes out. Completely for the block. Oh, not no. like not like the mains in the building, but for the block. Oh, no. So I basically look at my phone and I'm like, well, I was like, I'm going to stay for a half hour. If the power doesn't come back on, then I'm taking off because I came out all this way. It's 20 minutes from my house. Like, I'm not going to just run home. Right. But um, and the power did come back on. <laughs> but it was like a couple guys were playing like acoustic guitar in the dark, you know, and I'm thinking, like, is it even lawful for them to have us in here in the dark? Because, I mean, they had they had emergency lights, but it was, like, super dim. Um, and, yeah, it was the whole thing. Apparently, the power had been off that afternoon, too. So while Rob Postman was there sound checking, power was out. <laughs> so it was, it was, I was everybody's kind of wondering, like, is it their gear plugged in? Is that what caused it? Um, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Apparently, it was not. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was cool. Like, we got to get through it and everything. And it was, you know, it's like one of those experiences. You're a musician. You go through these trials and tribulations. Yep. And you kind of learn from them. Um, this one was like, I was just off the wall. I was like, who's, who's responsible for this? I want to shake their hand. Like, I actually kind of thought about going to see Rob Post Band. If I wasn't playing that night, I probably would have. Because I would have wanted to ask him. Why would you think that you should put that in your writer if you're a club yeah. band? <laughs> I, I mean, a club band it makes more sense than a small than a small bar band. Like, oh, uh, I would never leave my gear overnight. Never, yeah, no. not in any of the places I play. Not any of them. Even the ones I'm friends with the owner, I would not. Yep, <laughs> yep. no way. So no way. Jim, you ever, you ever done anything like that? Okay, so the worst we ever did. So uh, I was playing this club, um, in upstate New York, and. So they told us we could come in and set up so that we didn't bother 
the patrons while they were eating come in, get set up, um, do a little sound check. We didn't do a full sound check, do a little sound check and then leave our stuff there. Well, I did everything except for leave my stuff there. So I took my guitar, my amp, and my pedal. The only thing that was left was my microphone stand with my microphone. <laughs> and I came in. I mean, and I came through the back and I lugged my amp in gingerly, lugged my guitar in gingerly, and lugged my pedal board in gingerly, and nobody noticed. But no one's going to care anyway. That's the club owner thinking, oh, they, people are actually worried right. about it. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. I snuck it in while they weren't looking. Um, he was probably out getting high. I would have pushed the half stack. I would have pushed the half stack through there. I wouldn't have given a right. crap. Yeah, I'm sure he was out getting high. Um, with, do you want entertainment or do you yeah, not? With my band, with the band <laughs> members I was with. Yeah, that, yeah. But anyway, it was it was a good night, but it was just funny that, that they expected us to do that. And the band was in it. They were like, oh, man, that gives us a chance to go home and get a get a nap. I'm like, dude, you do know you're leaving your shit there <laughs> for hours, right? Somebody yeah, can steal like that unattended. Um, so here's here's this is why if I was the club owner, first off, re club owners, if you've got any listen to the show read the writer before you do anything. Don't sign the band until you read the right. writer because I would not want to take that on as a liability. No. So, so here's, so here's the business side of this. I, I work for, for the association of legal administrators. I hear stories. Um, here would be the business, the business case for this, right? So Rob post band comes in and says, here's my writer. We're going to sound check the day before we're going to leave all our gear in place. We're going to come back next day. We're going to play the show. All right. So that's in the writer. And if you're the club owner, now chances are the club owner is probably not even reading the writer. Right. right. But 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 if the club owner reads the writer, right, they should be alarmed because if the gear gets stolen, even if they're insured, the band's insured, right? Like let's say somebody breaks into the bar between, you know, last call and and uh doors open, right? Um, steals all the gear and you don't know about it. Um you're the club owner. And you're responsible. Now, everybody says, well, the band's just going to call the insurance company. The insurance is going to take care of it. No, that's not what's going to happen. So they're going to call the insurance company. The insurance will probably take care of the musicians to an extent. But the, what the insurance company is going to do is they're going to get their lawyers and they're going to sue the club because they're going to say, you are in violation of the writer. Right. Okay. Because you are responsible for this equipment. Yep. Because you, si you signed the writer. So even if it's not like – the law enforcement agency will obviously get involved in all that stuff yep. too, but they will be looked at as a liability partner or something like that, and they will be they will be sued, and they'll have to make up at least a portion of the of the theft. Yeah. Now they may not have to pay the whole thing. It, they may they may pay ten percent, you know, of of everything that's stolen because ultimately it's not really their fault that it was stolen, but it is their negligence that allowed it to happen. Yep. So it just depends. And I've heard of stuff like that. Like we had a truck driver that he he literally backed off. He walked off the back of a loading dock oh. and landed on his back, and he and he broke a vertebrae. He 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 didn't he wasn't paralyzed or anything. He broke a vertebrae, and then he sued that he sued the uh, the company because, you know, your loading dock right. And the insurance it got it got really convoluted because the the company's insurance said, well that's not our responsibility even though you're in our building. Your trucking company carries insurance on their driver. Right. 
And so you should be suing them first and then they'll sue us. Right. <laughs> that was exactly how it was. That's exactly how it went. It was like, no, we're not taking this lawsuit. And actually, I believe it got thrown out of court because they said, no, you sue your company first and then they'll That's sue. Right. They have the right to sue them. That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is asinine. Yeah. You know, keeps um, courts in business. But, but but that's exactly what your insurance company would do in that case. Like I've heard of situations where like insurance companies fight over who's at fault for a for car accident and they sue each other. And it's basically what would go on here too. Um, and I have a, I have a feeling these these uh, musicians insurance companies just have to recoup a lot of their fees because they realize that like it's a it's a um, a negligence thing. The only time they probably don't is when it's like stolen out of somebody's driveway or because you know people leave their gear in their car. First off, don't ever leave your gear in your car. I don't care if you park at the garage. Yeah. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning and you're freaking tired. Pick your stuff up, take it in your house at least and lock the yep. door because somebody saw you that night at that club and they might've followed you home right. or they might've, they might've asked some people I, to find out where you I live tell you, or any of that. Kind of stuff. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times musician friends of mine have said that they had their stuff stolen out of their car while they were doing load in, load out. Don't load out until you're ready to leave. Don't load in until you're ready to play. Don't don't leave your gear out in the car while you're in the in the club. On a tent. Yeah, I mean, don't. I mean, I, I can I can talk all day. Don't tell people, hey, got a thing going on tonight. You know that that's a huge mistake in Facebook, and it's and it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. You kind of gotta tell people your 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 band is playing, but you don't want to brag about what you're bringing. You, well. It, you got to take take the risk, right? So, yeah. some of the risk is when you say you got a you got a gig, right? Uh, yeah, obviously people know you're not home, yeah. right? Uh, now they're taking a risk too because just because you're out playing the gig doesn't mean somebody else isn't at your place. Right. Which my wife doesn't go to all my right. gigs, so um, it's because we got kids. But um, so she hangs out at the house. Like if somebody breaks in here, I I pity them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my wife is dangerous. Uh, I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can only imagine what an intruder would feel like if, you know, they wound up running into her. And let's um, just say that David um, knows how, or David's family knows how to handle themselves in a situation. I, yes. I, I'm dangerous <laughs> too. Like if you come into this house while I'm here, I pity you. Um, I pity you more if you run into my wife instead of me. Uh, Cause I will, I, I might actually try to aim for your kneecaps yeah. or something. <laughs> She's not going center to mass. Okay. center mass. <laughs> center mass. She's going for the head and she will probably hit you. Um, <laughs> she's quite good at it. <laughs> so uh, I would be terrified if, if that happened. But anyway, um, I don't know. So if, if you're going to publicize your gigs, you have to. Yeah, do you it, have right? to. That's like why it's a double edged sword. So you just, you just do yeah. it. And theoretically, you should be insured. Yeah. And then you only worry about the stuff you're hauling in and out of your car because that's the high value right. stuff that's going to be easily got. Don't assume that your home insurance covers your gear, by the way. Yeah, it it, it probably covers it to, to a an extent. point, but you need to cut. You definitely need to confirm coverage. And the other thing is you need to get a rider from them if you have anything over that value. Um, and if you don't want to get a rider, then you just get musician's insurance, which is not horribly expensive. No. Um, because I actually, believe it or not, you know, as much as we hear about musical instruments being stolen, uh, it's not really that, com that common no. a crime. No. Um, so I think there's more risk <coughs> personally, and I don't have any statistics to back this out. 
back this up, but uh, I think it's pro- you're probably more at risk by leaving your stuff in the, in the, in car. the car at a gate. In the car. Or when you get home, you're too tired and you don't want to bring it in. I ninety-five percent of the, the thefts I hear about are in your in your touring trailer, in your car in your driveway, in your garage, um, you know, anywhere that's separated from your main home. Because let's face it, most people who are robbing you, they don't want to run into you. Right. Because of the reasons I I mentioned earlier. Like many people are armed in this country. And if you're not armed, you still might be dangerous. Yep. And in my case, if I'm not armed, I'm still going to be dangerous. Um, granted, uh, I think material possessions are less worth it than my life. I would probably just say, just take it. I'm going to call the cops. You're going to get arrested later. Yeah. You know, yeah. enjoy it for the few <laughs> have, minutes that you've got. Yeah. Have a good night. <laughs> you know, um, unless I'm threatened. You know, but uh, that, that's so. That's my that's my take on yeah, this. Write like, your serial numbers I, down. To- I see. Yeah, but I see Rob Postman do this, and I'm like, I'm like, they're really like, they really don't want people from this open mic to come see them. No. Like that's what I'm thinking in the back no. of my head is because like we're all sitting there like this is. First off, you pissed us all off because now we don't have a stage. Right. Second off, you've got we we're all musicians. We we do this right, so we know about the writer problems, right. and so we're all just kind of sitting there like this is kind of dumb. Yeah, and uh, for, as far as the club's concerned, like I don't think they knew. Um, that that was in the writer. I think they showed up that afternoon and told them, yep. "Yeah, we're going to sound check today." And they were like, "What? What?" And then they were like, "Wait, it's in the writer, you know." Yeah. <laughs> Pull out the contract. It's in the writer, you know. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> um, okay, I guess. Um, but it went off without a hitch. I didn't hear anything negative. That's so, good. but it was there's a crazy open mic, power outages, strange bands, equipment on stage, <laughs> um, you know, alien invasions. It was crazy. Yeah, basically, I'm, wait- I'm waiting for the anal program yep, to yep. happen. That's alien. The- <laughs> alien invasions, anal probes. It was it was an exciting night for everybody. So, yeah, uh, did you see the guitar I posted um, in the group? The the flower power guitar. Yeah, the Dan Electro. <laughs> I saw that thing. I don't think it's going to last right. a week. I think it's great. I-, I think it's a great thing. Because because, you know, somebody's going to buy it because it would be <laughs> if I was playing like a flower, flower, uh, flower, power, 60s, cool song. I would want that guitar just for that, too. I would want that guitar. Is it hand? Did somebody hand? No, paint it looks that like a re- if you way. see it in person. So um, a couple of people have said they've seen them before. Um, it looks like a rap. But the thing is, like the um, uh, the pick guard is three-dimensionally matched. So it's not like it, they did it over the pit guard, left the sides. The, the pit guard is done all the way around it. So it looks yeah, like somebody did a rap to the guitar. Yeah, probably. It's probably uh, uh, like, uh, what do they call it? Um, they probably did a CNC paint thing. They're probably all identical. Yeah. Um, like they have the same splotches everywhere. So here, here's my thing. I saw this guitar, Jim. You know what my thought was? Look it up on somebody ate somebody ate a couple of pink or blue flowers <laughs> and then and then puked on the guitar. Like I get the flower power thing. Yep. This just looks like crap. Yep. I saw this and I was like, uh, I hope you meet because he because he said, Oh, it's great. And I and I Jim said it's great and then sends me the picture. And I'm like, I think this guitar is crap. Like it looks like crap. And I'm like, I don't know who thinks this is great. Because it doesn't look like flowers. Um, it looks like finger painting by children on a guitar. 
that's supposed to be flower power. It's a DC fifty um, nine. Is um, it? It's not original. It says vintage, Clapton so Orange. So, oh no, it's not original vintage. No, this is one of those reissue Dan Electros that. Let's see. Um, that that one guy who hates gay people made Dan Electro. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute? Can we talk about that whole controversy for a minute? So, the guy who owns. I think he still owns it. Uh, Dan Electro um, got under huge fire because he was supporting some anti-gay organizations. Wow. Financially, financially, it came out. Uh, and this was probably 2005, 2006-ish this came out. And people boycotted the crap out of Dan Electro. But that didn't last very long because obviously people are still buying them. So, Well, all that they got to do is see Jimmy Page playing one. and It's okay. Yeah, yeah they can hate gays. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's not okay. It's not okay. I know, that's why I'm saying. <laughs> I'm being facetious, obviously. We we have had both. We we have had. We will have anyone on this show, and I mean that in the most gender inclusive way. Oh, yeah, I have. said anyone, not any women, not any men, not anything in between. I said anyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, you could be an alien if you play guitar. You're welcome here. If you sing, you're probably welcome here. If you play the trombone, you're welcome here. If you were, if you play the hurdy gurdy, you're probably welcome yeah. here. Um, I, I I do prefer. I'm partial to stringed instruments, vocal cords, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I think we draw the line at drummers, right? <laughs> yeah. No. It, oh my god. So I was uh, I was talking to a guy. Came in um, and I said, uh, "Is there anything I can help you with?" Anyway, I. <laughs> He said, no, no, it's okay. I'm a drummer. I said, oh, you're one of those guys that hangs out with the musicians. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did he punch you? No, he laughed. He goes, yeah, I don't. But he should have said, well, I own a guitar. Yeah. Because <laughs> usually they do. That. That's the thing I've noticed is like um, amongst uh, other musicians I know, every one of them has a guitar. Like that, that it, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, drummer, bass player, doesn't matter. They got a guitar. You know, they, like they have uber expensive instruments and they have like a squire over in the corner for writing songs or something. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Uh, I'm going to try to post these pictures in the show notes. So if you're just talking about these guitars, uh, they'll be in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's it called an right Eric now. Clapton. Uh, Eric Clapton model DC 59. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Dan Electro stuff. Like, I, I actually I do like some of the vintage ones, yeah. but the modern ones have just not really been that great for me. Um, I think they have a unique sound, but I think it's like a unique sound I just don't like. Um, I mean, they even did the neck plate on this turd. I mean, uh, this guitar. Everything about this guitar shouts. But I can say this because I'm looking at another one. It is not exactly the same. So, yeah, so. It, it it has some difference. Now, whatever maybe they, they did, maybe they painted it. Maybe they painted it after it was put together. Yeah, I'm wondering if they did the wrap after it was put together. And uh, I mean, you keep saying the wrap. I doubt it's a wrap. You can spray. You can spray and and make it look yeah proper, especially with CNC. Folks, even the frets are done this way. Are the frets painted? Yeah. Look. Oh, gross. Look. No, I refuse. Yeah, that, <laughs> don't look. Don't look, Ethel. 
No, no, the board is that way, but the frets aren't. It's just, it's just a fingerboard. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Right, the fretboard. It's like, yeah, fret if board. they did that, if they like etched the the uh, frets to do it or something, that would be horrendous. I know. It's ugly. Yep. Um. Anyway, if this is your jam, this is your jam. It's four hundred fifty bucks. It's a guitar center. Go buy it. That's right. I feel like we're doing sixty cycle hum. Today. And then we're say, like talking about all these guitars. We have pictures of it. Stuff. I say Jim sent you. Um, I think it's kind of cool. It, it's got a cool factor in its look. I'm not a Dan Electro fan. All right, I kind of want to. I know we put the uh, we put the nail in the Jared Dines coffin, but uh, I have a I have a thought. Are you trying to put shared. the pin back in that grenade? No, um, I have a thought. I mean, this is a YouTube related thing, okay. right? Like people who are like pretender musicians or whatever you want to call yeah. them, or um, uh, realizing that uh, part of that conversation where we we kind of left out is like we tend to think that all of these players that we're aware of in our own little bubble yep. are the only players that are out there. Right. And I've discovered something going out and being social. You know, uh, something I don't do very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've discovered that people don't know everyone and, and, and like even people you think, Oh, everybody should know this guy. You talk to him. They're like, I don't know who that is. I talked to a young guy who did not know who Stevie Ray Vaughan was. Decent player too. Mm -hmm. A guy who's a decent player. Um, us God. And, uh, I talked to another individual who didn't know who, who, um, uh, Danny Gatton was. Yeah. And like that one, I could sort of see a little bit more because like SRV, that's like a common name. I mean, he, they're literally guitars with his name in the pick. Right. Um, He's on like every other magazine cover or yeah. book cover that's in a guitar center or in a, in a, well, that relates to the other thing. Right. So everybody knows that the, was it the Billy Ellish or whatever? Mm-hmm. What's the name of that? Or is it Billy Ellish? Is that the name of the artist? Billy. Oh, uh, you're talking about the are you talking about the Canadian guy? No, I don't know who I, I don't know. Somebody didn't know who Van Halen was. It blew up on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So whoever this artist was doesn't matter. Um, but the point is that this artist did not know who Van Halen was. Right. If you stop and you think about that, that is dyed in the wool evidence of what I'm saying here is that You took the household name guitar player of our generation, like post-1980. Yeah. um, And somebody didn't know who they were? Right. Uh, I mean, that's kind of staggering. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, remember that, you know, these people on YouTube, that's only part of your bubble. Right. Well, there's a lot more people out there. I've Here's something that will shock a lot of YouTube watchers and listeners. There's a lot of people who have never heard of these YouTubers. Like, oh, they, yeah. They, no, that's what I'm pointing out. Like, yeah. they don't exist. Exactly. When I go out to... Um, when I'm in an open mic, do you think anybody knows who Jared Dines is there? They don't know who. No one. They've never heard of... No offense, because they've never heard of our channel either. But they've never heard, I've of, heard of 60 Cycle Hum. They've never heard of Wobbler. They yep. don't even know yep. Wobbler pedals. Yeah, well, I was there and I was talking to somebody one time and I told them I had a podcast. And they're like, what's that? Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, um, and, and I was like, it's cable access radio. <laughs> yeah, it's cable access radio for the 2000s, um, the new millennium. Um, it, it's funny because uh, 
when I talk to guitar players, when they come in, when, when young people, I'm not talking about people my age, I'm not talking about people your age, I'm talking about people half your age, um, come into Guitar Center um, and go to look for stuff. And I'm, I, I refer to some of the channels. I said, did you see anything on Anderton? Did you see anything? Yeah. Ander what is that? I've had two huh? people that I've inter interfaced with who knew what Anderton's was. Um, I've had, yeah. I've had one person know who the guitar dungeon was, believe it or not. Be, be fair though. You do work at guitar. Center, I know, I know. Cause I, I know it's, it, and it's a, it's a microcosm of a bigger planet. I, I realize that. Well, no, I'm just and, saying it's, it's like the, the Walmart and, yes. and you get people that are not, not necessarily like as integrated into gear culture going in there too. Yeah, that's correct. Which is probably the reason why it's a lower number. That's correct. But what I'm saying is that that that's exactly what I was going to get to. So the, the, um, the names that, that, um, will go on, right. Are the, are the people who, uh, Transcend. transcend right transcend that culture they get outside of that culture that microcosmic culture of you know um of folks uh, there's there's a there's a little niche of people um yeah and we because we live in it we tend to think that the culture is huge because it, it's worldwide so it's in a world of what four billion people or five billion people, there's bound to be a million, you know, who ha who share a common goal. And a million people is a lot of people. Yeah, but it when, is. But when you spread a million people like peanut butter across the planet, that's not that much. Yeah, yeah. A million is what? What percentage of a billion? Less than a percent, right? It's it's much yeah. less than a percent. And so you're looking at at. Um, you know, a very good possibility that you will, you could never meet in person a person who has the same uh, view of gear or the culture of gear as we do. And I find that a lot of the musicians that I meet at, obviously at, at, at uh, the open mics and at gigs, the people who are who are um, into music. They're not so much into the gear culture. I mean, there's a couple of them. Oh, that's a nice guitar. I like that. You know, I like that SG or I like your Strat or I like your Les Paul. But beyond that, they don't know what pedals I'm using. And yeah. um, they, they see Marshall and the amp. And that's where that ends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like how many non-guitar players do you know who don't know what pedals are? Right. The first time you're like, you're like playing for them and you're like, Click, click the thing and they're like what's that do yeah um everybody's had that moment where you suddenly it suddenly dawns on you it's like i have knowledge that the commoners do not yep um and and the guitar community has varying levels of commoner i mean there are people that don't play outside their bedroom and they don't necessarily there are people that only play acoustic guitar there are people that only play one type of electric guitar that's and right. they don't know anything about anything else that's right and they live in a vacuum and, and the their vacuum might be bigger than theirs but that doesn't mean that what you like is justify right. you know what i mean like more than anyone when else. you when you mentioned the, the acoustic guitar the, the thing i wanted to mention was that, that that's a person that could play for 30 40 50 years and then buy their first pedal i you don't know how many people i meet that are buying their first pedal that are my age 
And they've been doing direct to amp for their entire life. And they've been playing right acoustic guitar directly. I'm just, I, I had a guy the other day. He's like, I said, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, I, um, I've been playing guitar for, you know, X number of decades. And he goes, uh, um, I want to, I want to break into electric. And I'm like, okay, cool. Do you know what kind of music you want to play? And um, he's like, I just want to kind of play some rock. And I go, okay. And what's funny, he goes, I, I, I need a pedal, but I really don't know where to start. And it's just, it's just hilarious to me that not, not because I think that they're um, less capable than myself or anyone else. I'm just, I find it hilarious because I'm talking to a guitar player that maybe my age or older, and I'm trying to teach them about their first distortion pedal, you know, or their first, and, and I'm, and it's almost like having, you know, that, that young kid who's in there learning about their first distortion pedal and so on and so forth. I don't really know how do I. How do I want to, you know, sound like that? Um, and so, I, but when you talk about transcendence, there's one pedal, okay, that you could say to people and they know what pedal it is. They know what that pedal does. What's the one pedal that has transcended guitar community? The wah pedal. The wah pedal. Yeah, baby, because everybody knows what bow chicka bow cow yeah. is. I've had actually, I've actually had people say like, "Can you hit the porno pedal?" Yeah, that's exactly. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, it must be the wall. Like, I, it has to be. Can you, you know? hit that '70s like, porn pedal? Yeah, yeah. I, I've had people say that to me, and I'm like, well, I guess I know what they're talking about. Um, the one that does '70s porno sound. Um, so yeah, that's that's the one pedal. And if you think about it, I mean, it has transcended the the pedal community because when people hear distortion, they don't think anything of it. They hear they hear a clean guitar and they hear a distorted guitar. They don't really think about how did it get distorted. They unless it makes a sound like the wah. That's a signature sound. And the name of the the device is what it is. Does. What it does. <laughs> it's not like you know the people. It, what's the difference between a digital reverb and a this reverb and that reverb and and then or yeah. uh, plate reverb and a spring reverb? And a, I don't even think the term reverb accurately describes what it does. Yeah. See, that's just it. I, like if you called it a, you know, an echo simulator. Yeah. Then people would get it. Yeah. Or, you know, the rooms. I mean, and a, del- and a delay. I mean, that's a yeah. echo again. Yeah. I, I honestly, that was something I was debating myself um, the other day. It's like, do you think echo and reverb are two different things? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I know, I know they are. But, but what they're what are they supposed to simulate? Right, right. That's that's a show topic in and of itself. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another day. Well, um, yeah, and, and if you look at there's one other thing to look at. I find interesting. Okay, and that is that is um, as we look at those things. So the company Matthews is it Matthews? No, Earthquaker. Earthquaker. Earthquaker effects. EQD. Which I, I think they make great effects. Don't get, no, they do make good stuff. And now you've had your chance to mess with them. So That's you're right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of digging them. And yeah. all right. So here's what I here's what I find with Earthquaker, though. I can read an Earthquaker pedal and not know what the fuck it does. I, I, the I Avalanche know. Run. I, I honestly, <laughs> Rainbow. What the, uh, the, what's the yeah, Rainbow? The Avalanche Run. The Rainbow. What's yeah. the Rainbow Machine? <laughs> and the Rainbow Machine, like, it's like, what the hell? What? Or the um, there, there's I, I we gotta we gotta hold on I gotta bring they up have, they have the depths or I think is one of them. Yep, the depths, um, which I would imagine would be, I'm like, 
What? We're going to go to their website. I'm going to read through some of these pedal names. If you are not well-versed in pedal culture, like it's its own thing unto itself as part of the gear community. Yep. Um, there are literally literally forums where people just talk about pedals. They Here's some names. The Acapulco Gold, yep. which is obviously cocaine. Right. Uh, the the Afterneath, the Aqueduct, the Arapnoid, the Bit Commander, the Bellows, the Avalanche Run, the Arrows, the Cloven Hoof, the Data Corruptor. Wait, wait, wait. That is the baddest pedal name on Earth. Yeah, that, is, that is a cool one. The Only seconded by the disaster, the disaster transport. Wait a minute. The Plumes, the Swiss Things, the Aqueduct. Okay, I'm just watching them as they go by me on their screen. The Dispatch Master, the, dispatch. the Dune, the Eruptor, the Eruptor, <laughs> the Ghost Echo. Here's here's and here's where it gets even more messed up. When you look at these pedals, the Eruptor, it's a single knob, single switch pedal. So you're looking at this thing and you're going, "What the hell yeah. does this even do?" Um, the Ghost Echo, Wait, the, the Grand Orbiter, <laughs> the Hoof, the Hoof Reaper. What is a Hoof Reaper? I need the Leviathan. Oh, the um, Leviathan. That just has a cool look to it. I'm just saying. The Nightwire. Uh, oh, the Palisades. The, the Hummingbird. Yeah, the I hummingbird? mean, it's just, they literally are just on crack when they're when they're naming what these things. That? They're like, they, they open a book and they point at the first noun and they're like, that one. Um, Here's the only one that makes sense to me. The Park Fuzz Sound. Okay, yeah, because that's that, a Park that, Camp Fuzz <laughs> because they were they were contracted to make that i believe oh okay um, that's the only one that makes sense to me. yeah but the data corruptor yeah. like that's brilliant and if you look at this pedal it looks like it's going to corrupt your and data it literally does now. That's, <laughs> what, that's what's cool about it. yeah i don't that i mean i don't know exactly what that sounds like but um yeah uh, i can i can imagine that one the thermoser uh, the thermoser yeah. oh no the, you know, I have, i'm sorry transmitter they don't have the fuzzmaster general anymore are they not making that anymore no Oh, crap. Yep, you have to find it. I have to get another one. The speaker cranker. The speaker cranker. Like, for real? Now, that would make sense, because that's obviously a distortion. Yeah, spatial delivery. That makes no sense to me. I I would assume delay. Yeah, I would think, like, a a, a delay that's going for the the sea machine. The space spiral. I mean, pyramids. Pyramids. So, like, so what does it sound so like, like? Dirt. I mean, I'm just saying, dirt. So rocks. like a lot, a lot of these companies have effects like this, though. That they just like they name them, and you're like, I don't know what this does. I'm not sure what the hell this is. I was gonna go to Matthews Effects. Oh yeah, um, Matthews. Go, go. But their their website's down currently. Oh. I don't know why. Uh, I can go to Sweetwater though, and I can dig through. Yeah. So they have like the astronomer, the cosmonaut, the chemist, <laughs> the architect. <laughs> They do have one that's called a fuzz, the whaler fuzz. Now they all so that so the way that the Matthews effects are are named is they have like Matthew effects astronomer celestial reverb. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like the pedal itself, if you're looking in the display case at the store, it just says the astronomer, right? Or it says the cosmonaut, and then you got these controls, and like you'd think the controls would give it away too, but like on the astronomer, the controls are like mass glow travel, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm even more confusing at that point because now I'm like, what? I, I don't even understand what that does. Like the glow control, what? Um, and I get it. You know, these are these are supposed to be exclusive, like artsy pedals, and like when you buy them, you figure about. Okay, so I went to the hummingbird, right? Because I wanted to know what the hummingbird does. 
And I still don't know what it does. Is it it an acoustic simulator? No, I still don't know what it does. And I'm reading it. It says, repeat percussions. (laughs) What what does that do? Is it like the the string noise when you hit the string? Does it repeat that? It's like, it's a delay, but it's like, um, it's, it's probably like a delay that that freezes, and so it freezes on a very small sample, right? And then it like repeats it as a rhythmic thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, like a slicer, right? That's the only thing I got. Like, like the very attack, the the quick the quick attack or something. That's it. And it says depth. What does it got? Depth. Uh, what the hell? Uh, depth, rate, and level. A, yeah, yeah. And a mode, uh, mode button. Yeah, so... I just think um, it's the coolest thing for them to come up with stuff that it's like, okay, if you want to... This is what... This would this would be... Uh, this is why I think it's genius, though. Guys like Matthews and Earthquaker. How can you compare it to anybody else? You have to go, you have to go touch it. You have to go play with it. You have to try it. And, yeah. and they're kind of driving you to say, try it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is, like when I see pedals like this, and and this is this is this is my uh, my compulsion here uh-huh. is that like I I see these pedals and I and I think they're more about the marketing and the hype behind the pedal than the actual pedal itself. Although I will tell you that like playing some of these brands, like Matthews makes good stuff, EQD makes good stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that you know it's all there's no substance here. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously. Because this stuff is, I mean, this stuff is bonkers when you plug into it oh yeah um but it's you know the substance is way more important not not the substance well the substance is way more important but but the marketing for these companies is like a huge deal it kind of has to be well because you it's like the first boutique pedals if you go back and look at the beginning it's like pete cornish you know who is rehousing and modifying circuits and then putting these dull gray boxes with like stamped on lettering because he got sick of making heads and and all those cornish hens that pete cornish was putting out there ask david gilmore <laughs> how he feels about pete cornish yeah, Jim. <laughs> he loves um, david. he loves pete cornish believe me yeah so um i i just think i think the we we talked about the pedal explosion I think that there's a lot of pedals, though, that are literally co- straight copies of other things. The right. ones that are rising to the top, like EQD, Matthews, yep. um, and and uh, Walrus Audio. Yep. Yep. Walrus is another good Actually, if you want to hear about a lot of these companies, go check out 60 Cycle Hum because they're deeply embedded in that culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, or um, uh, what's what's um, Blake's show? What's Blake's channel? Uh, Chasing Tone. Chasing Tone. And uh, um, oh, no, but his, uh, his uh, the, the fuzz thing, he does his. Blake's own, because he's he's on Chasing Tone, but he has his own channel. Yeah, I'm trying to think about what the name of it is. And I don't ah, I'm drawing a blank. It's on my phone here. Hang on, because I do listen to it. Yeah, um, but I don't remember offhand. He's got an excellent excellent podcast when it comes to gear. So, um, yeah. So obviously, Chasing Tone is Wampler. Yep. And then, uh, where is my Blake Wyland from Portland, I... Oregon? I'm probably just oh. The, the tone mob. The tone mob. Come on. Yeah. Um, the tone mob. Duh. Yeah. Um <clears throat> anyway, so th- the point is that that um these companies do, you know, they have like their own little subculture that's based around the branding and marketing of their pedals. 
and that's why you see these crazy names. Right. But it doesn't help illustrate the point of what they do. Um, from a marketing perspective, it works, but uh, from you know the perspective of people that are not educated about guitar, um, that's not their target market. Right. And 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 like EQD is not trying to sell to the guy that doesn't know shit that's about right. the instrument. That's right. right. They He's are marketing actually does no we'll shit about the guitar. That's you know, right. we'll spend two hundred dollars to get a DOD two fifty that's accurate. That's absolutely right. There, he's not whoever is the marketing person or persons for Earthquaker Devices or Matthews or whoever knows um, that their their market is the person that knows shit about guitar, not doesn't know shit about guitar. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just being. I I know I sound facetious, but. I'm, I'm being honest. I've owned a lot of these different brands too. I Man, mean, I want to try that disaster transformer. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a cool pedal. That too. looks so cool. I don't know what you're gonna do with it, but I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, a lot of these pedals get criticized. They're like the Joe Bonamassa enemy pedals, where he's like, "Oh, it's just a noisemaker." Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you've ever, you know, I, I don't know, says like expose yourself to more music, you will find people using this stuff in creative ways. Right, that's why it exists. Right, right? um. I do want to comment though, because there was a YouTube video I saw. You know, here I am in bashing YouTubers, but I do watch this content, right? Yeah, of course. We, are, um, we both do. Uh, I watched Rob Scallon do the uh, the 12 hour album. Oh, yeah. Yep. Where, where they start it and then he does an album in 12 hours with another guy and then yep. they release the album. And I think they, they give the proceeds to charity, charity. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the first one they did was was okay. Like the second one they did was okay too. Um, they, I, first off, putting an album together in twelve hours is insane. But I wanted to point out something. What was the? Have you heard either of these records, Jim? Yep. Yep. Okay. Both. So, what was the genre? How would you describe the genre of these records? For me, yeah. um, I, I I couldn't really. I would say pop punk. Yeah, I would. Well, what I was going to say is like today's pop punk. Right. Not, so, I wouldn't put them in the Green Day pop punk. Do you think, and this is not necessarily a, a question that's going to indemnify you or anything. It'll probably get me in trouble because I'm probably going to open a can of worms. Um, I'm not a big fan of pop punk. Uh, there are certain bands that I really like, um, but for the most part, I think the genre is lame. I think it's like super simple and um, it just doesn't speak to me. It doesn't mean it's bad. I just, it's, I say lame. It means I just don't like it. It's not my thing. Um, it might be yours. But why do you think they would choose a genre like pop punk or why pop punk becomes the default for this kind of record? Because, and I'm going to, oh man, I'm going to make some enemies. That's what I'm saying. Because it's, I can say it for you if you'd rather me do it. I'm going to do it. And then you can, you can either back me up or tell me I'm an idiot. Because it's relatively easy to do. I think Jim's absolutely right. Yeah. So I notice that amongst my age group, between 30 and 40, really, yep. this is actually, and, it, and it's been not even just 30, 40. Um, we, my, my wife lived in Wisconsin for a while. She worked with a guy that was in a, was in a pop punk band. Um, he was a bass player and he was like, he had aspirations. He wanted to do metal. Um, I, I didn't know the guy super well, but it was, she worked with him. Um, and it, it ended up, we had some several conversations about 
you know, the state of music as a result of that. Cause I was like, well, I, I'd never, I don't want to do that. Like it's just not my genre. Um, there are certain bands that I like in that genre, but they're few and far between. I think there's a lot of crap in that genre. Um, things that are just written to, to be hooky and basically sell records. And it's just not my thing. It's never been that way. Like I, I think the best records are the ones that sell that sell well and also happen to be extremely artistic. Um, especially from rock and roll music. Uh, so, and, and there's a lot of leeway for that. I mean, we've, we've had that happen many a time in this genre. So I hear this music and I'm like, I don't know, this is just not my thing. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think they, they make an album in 12 hours. What's your default genre? Use the thing that only uses four chords, you know, and, and go for it. Um, now that is not to say that there aren't other songs that they record on these things, but, um, I don't know if they default to that because it's simple or they default to that because it's because you know like because it's easy or is it just because that's what they know best i i i mean honestly if you told me i had to rec- make a record in 12 hours i would probably just put out some shred riffs and be done with it um yeah well i thought i thought scallon no it, seeing his other videos i would have i would have thought he would have done that like put together a shred thing shred he's fast. not he's not that guy though like he has that playing ability but he's really not that guy. Right. Um, I think he tapped into, you know, for his channel, he tapped into what other people were interested in. And it was like, there's a lot of people that like Steve Vai, so I'm going to do Steve Vai-esque stuff. Right. Or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, that because the guitar culture gets all fired up about it, it's like, that's what we're right. going to do. And that, and that sold well for him, and it worked out. Right. Um, and that's he what does- he did when he went on tour with, what's a, what's his face? But um, uh, the thing that, uh, I think does better for him, like you were talking about, is this. I think that the other reason that he did this is pop punk is because, let's face it, um, you're, you, I think you hit up the nail on the head. We talked about it earlier. Okay, you're 30 to 40 years old. Um, what's, what's most likely your favorite bands of your teenage years on, for the most part? Not you personally. At least a shared experience. Right. Because you know what happens in a band, right? Like my favorite music doesn't come to the forefront of the band, but it's the favorite music we all share. Right. Uh, So. So you got, you got um, Green Day. Green Day, Pennywise. Pennywise, uh, yep. To Goldfinger, like all those bands that that had some sort of like cultural permeability into regular culture that were still kind of on the fringes. I think Blink-182 is probably the, the most obvious, like, Here's a punk, like a pop punk. Yeah, band. who was that? Who was that band that did "Here Comes Your Man"? Um, uh, I'm um, like, the, but, like the, the Ramones would be another another classic example. Even in my generation, like people still idolize the Ramones. The Pixies. That's who I was trying. Oh uh, yeah, the Pixies. Um, you got, uh, and then kind of on fringe of that, you've got the Cure, right? You've right, got, right. Uh, you know who's who's a little be, more indie. But a very common influence amongst my generation of guitar players. Yeah. And I, that's why I always feel at odds because I'm not interested in that. I just am not. Um, Oh yeah, I get, I get it. Um, But if you look at like, if, if, all right, if it was my age time or my age period, right. It would have been um, kiss. Right. All right. Because, because again, we go to that lowest common denominator Okay, I'm not saying that Kiss is a bad band, but let's face it, 
Um, the first riff you, or the first solo you learned note for note when you were my age was something that Ace Frehley did. Okay, but um, you know it was it was in that genre, right? Um, so the kids at school were listening to that kind of thing, and they, um, but in my time period, you also had Robin Trower and you had. Uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac, and they had, and all of them shared the radio waves. I think that was a huge, huge difference. Was you could you could be listening to the radio, and it would go from Eddie Van Halen to Robin Trower to um, uh, who was it? Uh, not Dangerfield, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it it would go all over the place. So Kiss shared the same radio waves with those guys. And so mm -hmm. you could hear a Clapton song, right? I, I, I think the culture at that time, the, the musical culture was a lot more diverse too, though. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of that's because regional radio still existed. Right. Um, I, think, I think it's because even and, national level radio was a lot more diversified than it is now. You yeah, could hear and, Motown on the same station that you would hear rock and roll and blues music. Like it was – Whereas now it's so genre specific. I mean, right. I literally, I've been at work and I've had people like, no, I want to listen to light rock. Yeah, and DJ, I'm like, what? Yeah, like, like, yeah. When I grew up, DJs could play what they wanted, and they had what they called bathroom songs. That's yeah, how right. Rush got their start. Rush got their start as a, as a bathroom song band. So this this um. I need to go to the bathroom to take a poop or, yeah, it, I, or I need to go do some blow. So and it was a DJ a, in an your area side of an album. <laughs> yeah. It was a DJ in your area. So yeah. it was like, Oh, look at this. And they could just look at the width of the song on the LP and go, Oh, this is, this is the song I can go. Yep. Poop with. That's the one. Why then, was he? <laughs> drop the needle. And so rush 2112. So rush 2112 got a little play and the word shit goes, you know, both ways here. Yeah. Right? So it was it was for two reasons. So um you take that against those three minute pop songs now that we've got, right? But that's because now they don't need that DJ. That DJ doesn't need to be there at night. But back when I was I was younger, the DJs were there all night long. The FM DJs, they were they were happening dudes, right? And and women. They were they were rock stars in their own right. I mean, who didn't know Wolfman Jack? And Wolfman yep. Jack had no musical talent whatsoever. His voice sounded like this or something, you know, he was like, but he was a rock star. And, and um, the people that um, were on your FM stations, you rarely, you, you could see them a million times, wouldn't know who they were, but you knew their voices and you knew their sounds. And that morning DJ that came on, it was hilarious. And then they'd throw on that song. And that was song was so that they could sit there and smoke a bowl or do a line and <laughs> whatever they were because they were doing that stuff. Let's say yeah, so. yeah. And it was an ugly. It was an ugly uh, culture driving and, that. And you just taught, called us a what would you call us open cable channel or whatever of yeah, uh, we're an open we're a cable access yeah. uh, radio well, station and and I I know that they still exist in some uh, radio uh, uh, areas but they're fewer and farther between. The, the colleges had the same thing going on and you could hear stuff. REM got their start in there and there were so many. Uh, and there's still college bands and there's still college rock. And like that whole thing is still in existence. And that um, was our indie rock. 
if we still have those stations here, it's a little bit more prepared now because I think the college stations have like got to the point where it's they're trying to prepare those people for a career in radio. So yeah. they're doing pre-recording and stuff because that's what they do now. Right. I mean, and, and I don't, I don't, I understand. I get it. But, but back when a per, when they got a single into the place, they, and I, I, you know, I got to talk and be, you know, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of and I'm sure all of us stuff on the air, they would be like, Oh yeah, we just got this record. We don't even yeah. know what it is. Throw it on there. You and know, that's how Sergeant Peppers was supposed to happen. That nobody was supposed to know it was the Beatles. The Bee Gees did the same thing. It was all these bands were like, I'm going to put this record out. You're not even going to know who it was. When Burton Cummings left the Guess Who, when the Guess Who left the Guess Who and became Bachmacher Overdrive. It's all these, you know, they were trying to stop the hype machines, go, look, we can do it on our own. You know, when, you know, Stephen King being Richard Bachman, I mean, the whole thing was um, just supposed to be, you know, this, this, Thing. But there were other ones that would that would purposely send their records to look and sound like a band that was already there. So they could say, look, we they sound just like them. Um, you know, don't tell anybody that Elvis isn't black. Send the records. And then they were like, boom, nobody was playing it. Then they said, okay, tell everybody Elvis is white. And of course, we were in a we were in a very different time at that time. And then all of a sudden everybody's playing Elvis. And and it's like, you know, whoa, we couldn't, you know, I, I just heard, um, who was it that was talking about how the the blues musicians got famous because Englishmen recorded their music and made it famous over here. And, yeah. and they were American musicians. Who yeah. There was, there was a lot of um, that kind of stuff going on where like, especially with bands like uh, Led Zeppelin, where they would, yeah. They, you know, those guys were super into that stuff and they were getting it from from sailors and stuff who were coming over there. And then right. they were coming here on tour and they were buying stuff up and then they were going back home and they were ri- and, and let's face it, they were ripping ripping it off. off. Yep. And whether it was accidental or not, they were yep. ripping these people off. And then all of a sudden you go and buy, you know, all the records that they were referencing. Right. Because that comes up with the lawsuit. So like that made the career of a lot of people who probably were just a local regional musician at that point. Yeah. Uh, what I would consider a C or a D tier, um, right. which, again, not a skill level thing, not really anything other than that's the circle they're in. And it's it's not like the circles of hell, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And it, yeah. It, it it was unfortunate that 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 um, that culture, OK, was was in, you know, in America at the time. It, it certainly wasn't in any way deserved. Um, but. You know, Europe made the folks that couldn't make it here famous. I mean, Jimi Hendrix had to go to England to get famous. People forget that. People forget Hendrix started where the Beatles started, right? I mean, <laughs> started over here. He he was playing over here. Yeah, but he because, was gone by the side. Yeah, of nobody was interested over here. Nope, no one. And and he was playing in uh, Jimmy and the Blue Flames were playing in uh, yep. some club in the village. Yeah. And you'd think, you know, like around that time, Bob Dylan was going on and all that stuff. And you're like, yet nobody was interested in, in Jimi Hendrix at that time. Like, that just seems crazy. We look uh, at it now and we think that's impossible. No, but you have to understand that that time was so rapidly changing, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he hit it at just the right time. He did. Because um, he was right, like right after Cream. And that, and that prepped everybody for what they were going to get with Hendrix. And Hendrix blew the roof off of what Cream could do. 
Yeah. Um, which even Clapton would admit, like, yes, oh, yeah, that would obviously the case. Yeah, there were, you know, when 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 Pete Townsend says, "I don't want to follow him." <laughs> well, we no, it wasn't Pete Townsend that said that. Well, no, Pete Pete said it too, but Eric Clapton did. Clapton as well. did. Yep, I was going to say Clapton did too, and yeah. that was when people were were putting signs up. Clapton is God. Yeah, yeah, and there's still. I did I tell you about that. One time I played it a couple of years ago, I played a, a jam night with somebody and I was told in the, in the conversation between me and the, the, uh, the guy uh, that I was going to play with. Um, <laughs> do, do you, do you like Eric Clapton? And I looked at him and I said, I'm not a Clapton fan. And the guy's like, well, you like blues. And I'm like, yeah. And yeah. I don't like Eric Clapton. And he's like, well, <laughs> who do you like? And I'm like, I like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And and the guy looked at me like I was out of my mind. Yeah. Like like, are you serious? You'd rather listen to Hendrix than Clapton? Well, Clapton would have rather uh, listened to Hendrix than Clapton. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, come on now. Um, but it, but it was like it was like Hendrix really isn't blues. Are you um, on track cocaine? Me? <laughs> Psychedelic blues, which is not a common form, but yes, he very much was a blues artist. And um, you know. You you would say that Buddy Guy is a blues artist, right? I mean, no. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. Bibi King was a blues yeah. artist. Uh, Albert King, you know, Albert King. He was into our blues artists and Muddy Waters form, and he revamped it. But ultimately, what he was doing was making bluesy pop music. Therefore, right. that makes him a blues artist. Uh, and I had I had this like literally this exact same conversation with this individual, but it was. But it was funny because it's like, well, if you don't like Clapton, you you suck. And it's like, are you kidding me? Not to mention the fact that that you know, I I could I was more comfortable playing a lighter a wider variety of music than this individual was. No, um, no offense to the Clapton fans, but I don't like any of Clapton's solo albums. I don't like I anything like, post Cream. I, that's what I was gonna say. I, I'll listen to Eric. Uh, uh, Eric well, Domino's Eric, a little Domino's bit. Post cream, I think, right? But, I, but right, a little bit. But I, I'll listen to Eric and Domino's a little bit. But I'll listen to um, Mayall's Blues Breakers. I'll listen yeah, to Cream. I'll listen to. Uh, okay, was Traffic post Cream? Um, because it was only one album. Yeah, I think it was, but that yeah. but that's a Steve Winwood album, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. He played but guitar, that, but that was a Steve. But Winwood. again, that was not a Clapton solo album. I right. cannot think of a Clapton he, album I would pick up by himself. It's he's like George Lucas. He just goes off on these trails of like I'm going to be esoteric, and it's right. like, what are you doing? Like the only hear that. Well, I mean, yeah. obviously somebody does because I because I got insulted because yeah. I didn't like the Clapton. The only album that he did good guitar playing. I don't know. Yeah, the only album I I I like that he did that was post um any you know any of that stuff was um, Riding with the King. I, I did like that album, but it's so esoteric, though. That's what, I mean. This is my point. Like, it's him paying homage to yes, it is. Didn't come before, and and that's okay. <laughs> did it his whole career. I mean, um, you know the one that I think, and then I'm going to end on this. I, I want to mention this player. The one person that I think, um, if if you do your listening, that I think mm. is un, undersung from that period. Um, is uh, Peter Frampton. Oh my gosh. That yeah. guy does not get the credit he deserves. 
I mean, he yep. did a farewell tour, and I was like, people like, yeah, so what? Yeah, I, I mean, literally, I saw people were reacting, and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's Peter Frampton, man. Like, what are you doing? Um, the guy, the guy had so he he's a Django Reinhardt devotee. Yep. And if you're not familiar with Django, like basically jazz aficionado, and yeah. and essentially that's what Peter Fram- under underlaid all of Peter Frampton's work. That's yep. why you'll never find like a straight triad. In, right. In anything in, that Frampton did. There's always like some weird bass node or something, you know, and you're like, what is going on here? Um, I was, I was playing. Um, do you feel like we do? And actually that song is one of the few where there's like some stuff going on in the bass that doesn't match the chords, but the guitar is playing straight triads. But if you were to like make a piano uh, arrangement arrangement of it, you wouldn't be playing straight triads. Like nope. it, it would be, it would be all over the place. Um, and and I that was the testament to his genius and like he never gets brought up in these discussions about like blues purist or like anything like that. Um, but he definitely was very capable and was definitely involved in that scene to some extent. Um, and is every bit as good a player as Eric Clapton is um, oh. and, and was and 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 any of his contemporaries really. I mean, that dude was the dude was in humble pie. Okay, yeah, I was and then, say and, there was humble pie like. Because Humble Pie didn't get the notoriety of a Led Zeppelin or a Yardbirds. Yeah, yeah or Yardbirds or Cream. Or, you know, Cream <clears throat> or, you know, the Jimi Hendrix experience. Like, he gets largely ignored. Now, granted, he is later than all of those bands, but right. he was playing at, when those bands were at their height. Not maybe not the experience, right. but um, like Eric Clapton had moved on and and he was doing his own thing. But, but I mean, like Santana, like there's a guy that everybody's like, oh, yeah, man, he's great. But Peter Frampton was doing the same things before him. Well, yeah. not really before him, because because the first no, they were they were contemporary. Yeah, they were contemporary. Yeah. They were they were doing things together. But like the exploration is a parallel exploration, and it's like how can you like like him but not like Peter Frampton? Well, because Peter Frampton wrote pop vocals. That's I honestly that's the that's the distinction is that he can write a song like you know, um, trying to think like uh, baby. Do you feel like we do? The baby, um, baby, I love your baby, way. Baby, I love your way. What's the other one? And uh, which, which is not as easy to play. As one. What's that? Lines on my face. Yep. Um, yeah. Let me tell you something. So we were talking about my era and and the stuff. So when I was growing up, that that was one of the cool things. One of the cool things that I don't think we have anymore, and we might because I'm not young, um, is there was this. There was this thing. Somebody would go to a record store and buy the craziest record. Oh yeah, it was it was that record that had a notch in it because it was on sale because it didn't yeah. sell that much. It was it was or their family was a little more eclectic than you were. Yeah, you went to their house and they or may or may not get a little stone, like I said, do a little line, whatever, <clears throat> and then you'd sit down and lights out, shut up, and listen, and it was that experience. And we listened to albums. Like Frank Sims Alive. Exactly. So I was going to say, so in 1975, 76, I sat down and listened to Frampton Comes Alive, which is four sides. Yeah. That's a double album, folks. And it was one of the most wonderful experiences. And then from that, you run out and you buy all the other records. You know, you go find the other stuff and you go, wow, 
he was, and you read the liner notes and it's like, oh, that, that guy's from Humble Pie. I got to go get Humble Pie. Yeah. And then you, you get the Humble Pie record. Listen to that. And I don't know if that happens anymore. I, and, and I'd love for, um, you I know. Think our, it does, but I think it's more accidental now. Like people gravitate yeah. down and they realize, oh, it's the same player. Yeah, that's what I wonder because because um, uh, take you know, uh, okay, take somebody like Steve Lukather, right? Almost everybody thinks that Steve Lukather came from all this other stuff. Where obviously he was in Toto. I don't know if people realize he was a child. Okay, I mean, is he was only nineteen? Okay, I mean, I know that's legal adult and all this other stuff, but let's face it, we all know. That you are a, still a kid when you're 18 years old, 19 years old. That's how that's how old he was when Rosanna came out. Okay, so um, if you look at um, the musicians that we have at the end of the time, and the and the people that we you know that, that you have, if if I, I just wish that's the one thing that that vinyl hasn't brought back yet is the experience of more vinyl uh, of more exploration of deeper, uh, uh, you know, uh, diving mm-hmm. into stuff. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just rambling. And it's just well, you know. And I think, I think that people still believe in filler, right? Like they still think that there are filler albums that just have like a bunch of crap. Um, yeah. I did pull up while you were talking. I pulled up Peter Frampton's top songs. I want to go through mm-hmm. a couple of them and just talk about. You know, when you hear the, the titles, you could probably you might be able to remember the hook um, if you've been exposed to this music. If not, you probably should check out a couple of these at least. Um, obviously, do you feel like we use the big one that was that was released on Frampton's Camel came out in 1973. So yep. that puts him squarely in like, you know, the Blues Breakers territory. Um, and right after Cream and all that. Uh yep. All I want to be is by your side. That was on Wind of Change, nineteen seventy-two. Um, yep. Now this is a song. I'm gonna skip one because I'm gonna come back to it. Uh, Penny for your thoughts, baby. I love your yep. way. Yep. Uh, While my guitar gently weeps, he did a cover of that, which is widely regarded. Which came out in two thousand three, which is surprising as hell to me because I remember yep. hearing that. Um, Signed, sealed, delivered. So that was that was done in 77. So you start thinking about like, like show me the way and all these different songs coming out, um, you know, really at the height of Clapton's time, but, and, and him being ignored, um, yeah. at least as a, you know, a quality guitar player, um, probably because he didn't have the, the, the depth of catalog at that point, but I mean, he'd been around. Uh, now here, here's when I realized he, he's not respected at all. Right. This is why I actually brought him up in this conversation. Frank Zappa hated Peter Frampton. Um, and there was a conversation in an interview. I want to say it was like on the Diff Cavett show or something where he was like basically saying, could you imagine somebody being so trite to write a song like I'm in you? And then he, of course, goes around and makes his own song, which is making fun of that, where the lyrics <laughs> are like literally like I'm in you. I'm in you and you are in me. That I that literally and it's like. Wink, wink. It's totally sexual, you know. Like, it, it, I mean, I, honestly, like that. that yeah, but that's not the me- meaning of "I mean you." You know I mean? no, but that's he's like he's <laughs> no, but he's thinking it's thinly veiled like that, and he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but 
but the point is that he's looking at Frampton going, what, what a quality musician writing crappy songs. Yeah. Like that's exactly why he's making fun of him. You know, I, you know why I think clap or I mean, uh, Frampton didn't get the respect that the other guys got. And this is going to be, this is no cut on Frampton because we see him now. He obviously doesn't have the long, the gimmick. Yeah. He doesn't have the long locks. Okay. So I want to, I want to, because you probably don't remember this. You will. when I mention it. Oh, I already know what you're going to talk about the gimmick. So in, in 1976, 77, when they, when he came out with, uh, I I, want to say Frampton comes alive with 75. It might've been 76. It was, it was right, so stuff. Yeah. If you think about that, folks, that Zeppelin was still around. Yep. Zeppelin was still getting they, they were huge, right? They were, they were at the top of their game. But Frampton was cute. Girls loved yep. him. Okay. Jimmy Page, as much as action as he may have seen with the ladies, was not cute. And women did not love him. Okay. Jimmy Page was your normal dude, right? And other dudes could say, yeah, Jimmy Page like me. He's an ugly guy, but women love him because he's rocking that guitar. So they're like, yeah, I can rock that guitar and be Jimmy Page. Where if I'm rocking that guitar, I can't be Peter Frampton because I'm not that cute. I'm just saying. So um, I think Frampton's looks actually went against him. And then the next thing that happened, I hate to say it, this is what I think really destroyed him in the eyes of a lot of musicians. He did a movie. That movie was called. Go ahead. I don't remember. Off, off oh, it was called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts oh, Club that's Band. Right. That's right. But you know what? I don't think that's what did it, Jim. I'll, I'll tell you what I think. The right, was. Well, let me finish. Let me finish because this is my take on it. You can, you can come in. RSO, Robert Stigwood Organization, had the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees had just come off Saturday Night Fever, and that was 1977. So we're in 1978 at this point. But before the Saturday Night Fever thing, the Bee Gees and and Eric, or I mean Peter Frampton, had signed on to be the lead actors. I'm using my quotes now in this movie that became a musical, and so it had people singing like, believe it or not, Steve Martin, who did Maxwell Silver Hammer on that. Yeah, yeah. George Burns. Yeah, there was a lot of people in that movie that were just like crazy. The Bee Gees were in there too. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's yeah. right. The Bee Gees, who did their version of Oh Darling, which I actually kind of like. Eric Clapton? Um, no, Eric Clapton wasn't in it, but Aerosmith was in it. Are you sure he's not in that? Nope, I'm positive. I I loved that album. I, I'm going to be the first one to admit it, and people can th- start throwing shade my way, but I loved that album. Sorry. Right? When that came out, I had that album. I have a CD. First. I have a CD. I got the, all right, so I have the actual list of, like, actors and stuff that appeared in the movie, so it's like, Peter Frampton, the Bee Gees, uh, Frank yep. Howard, Paul Nicholas, Donald Pleasance, which I do remember that, uh, yep. Sandy Farina, Diane Steinberg, uh, Steve Steve Martin, Aerosmith, uh, Alice Cooper, Earth, Wind & Fire, Billy Preston. Oh, yeah, Alice Cooper. Billy Preston and George Burns. Now, here's what's funny. Nobody had any speaking lines in the movie. Yeah. So the whole movie was just the songs. The soundtrack is the, the dialogue for the movie. So if you buy the soundtrack, you get the dialogue. Um, it's such a bad movie. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. That's why I don't remember it. It is such a bad movie 
that you can't find it. You can't. I'm sure there's somebody just like the 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 Star Wars Christmas special that's got a copy somewhere. But what was funny is so Frampton got num- top billing. You 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 read that because in that order because that was top billing. Yeah, yeah right. If it had been Please. a few months later, it would have been Barry Gibb and the Bee Gees and Frampton down here. Yeah. But Frampton got top billing. So Frampton plays the lead in the movie. Right. I knew that. I knew that when you said it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did that. Yeah. Um, I really think that that those two things, his looks and that movie, really took him down a notch with the music community of the time. They have – but I think there was another gimmick that that kind of so like a lot of people retrospect would have been able to overlook that like a, the younger generation would look back at that and say it's you know whatever. Uh, I think the bigger I think the gimmick for modern musicians that turned them off mm-hmm. maybe the nineties um, sure. is Talkbox, and it, it, I so it's like that is Frampton right? I don't have any. I, I'm not going to say like he shouldn't have used it or whatever. Um, I think honestly it defines a, a lot of his sound in different in different places, um, and is a um, a critical piece of what he does. But I think the Leslie is also a big part of that. Um, yeah. I think there, you know, there's other things that he used a lot that that uh, are part of the signature sound of of Frampton. But like that section on Frampton comes alive where he's using the talk box, um, which he uses it throughout the record, uh, throughout the live performance. As record, um, it well, it's there. Of, it turns a lot of musicians off because it's a gimmick, right? Like this is this is he's making his guitar talk, man, and that's cool because I'm a non musician and I can relate to this, right? And it and for the community that he's really looking to to, I mean, I not maybe not looking for the community. I I guess what I'm trying to say is like the 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 jazz people that he had descended from would have looked at that as a gimmick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I think the credibility for him being that guy descended from those people kind of erodes. And so yep. for the from the player respect side, yes, being an actor and doing that movie and all those things aside, like those are issues too. Um, you can kind of slowly turn it, pivot back and say, but there's also this, where this is literally damaging his credibility with the musical community. Now, I don't think and there's a listener that that's listening to our show that would say that Peter Frampton should not have used the talk box. Right. I'm just saying that I could see like, I've seen people in my contemporary times, like Slipknot when they wore the masks. Right. I was like, that's lame. Like I just hurt my (laughs) reputation of that band. Um, Now I'm, I'm older and wiser. And I know like, that's just a thing that they did and it's not a big deal. Um, But I could definitely see how looking at gimmicks hurts a band's credibility. Um, yeah. And it really takes a more mature person to look past those things or to look at them for what they are and take them at face value. Uh, right. I will say this. I've seen Frampton. Uh, I actually did get to see him. I saw him in a free uh, July 4th concert in Itasca, right north of where I live. Um, gosh, it must have been 2004 or something. Uh, and that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And it left yeah, a lasting impression on me. He's literally sitting because he's a vegan. And he's up there right. on stage and he's using the talk box and he's talking about going to get a burger and like all this, you know, American stuff. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, he's a great entertainer, you know? Yeah. It's not yeah. just about like music, although his band was the best I had, you know, one of the best 
backing bands for somebody like that that I had ever seen. Um, and his sound was on point and everything about the show was just absolutely perfect. Strange fact. I also saw, uh, who's the guy that has the, the, uh, Jude Gold. I saw Jude Gold the same day. He was playing with an artist that opened up for, for Frampton, which really wasn't super notable. Um, but it was, it's worth noting that I got to see Jude Gold that afternoon too. So, um, I'm sure that was an interesting, uh, an interesting backstage, uh, conversation between those two, but, um, yeah, Frampton doesn't get the respect he deserves. And uh, I think, you know, if you're listening to this episode, which is extremely long at this point, might have to split this one up. Uh, check out some Peter Frampton stuff, like anything. Really just go and get a playlist off of, you know, whatever service you're using and just listen to stuff. Expose yourself to it. Absorb it. And, uh, you know, be be practical about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Jim, you can take us out. I have been Jim. And I have been David. We been the practical guitarists. Sure have. Snake farm. Snake farm.